we don't use the word motivation. Motivation is something, somebody doing something to get a response from you that they desire. Inspiration is the better word. I, I would rather be inspirational than motivational. Hmm. Inspirational means they're in, they do it on their own. That's the better form of the word. Welcome to the Jamodi Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamodi, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by the head women's coach of the University of Arkansas, Mike Neighbors. Coach Neighbors has accumulated 194 wins during his nine seasons as a head coach one of only two NCAA Division I head coaches to do so in nine or fewer seasons. During his time back home in his alma mater, Coach Neighbors has guided his hogs to the best five-year period of sustained success in program history. Arkansas finished the 2021-22 season with one of the most prolific offenses in the SEC, leading the league in three-pointers per game at 8.1 and three-point attempts at 810 while finishing second in the scoring offense at 73.6 points per game. During his time at Washington, he coached Kelsey Plum, who was the number one overall pick in the 2017 WNBA draft. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. What's up, Coach? Oh, man, I can't call it. How about you? Ah, uh, living the dream. Your setup, nice. your setup looks incredible. I, during COVID, uh, I've got an assistant coach who is a master techie, and we had some money left over from COVID, and we've got the lights, we've got two microphones, we've got, and I'll take that back, we got four microphones in there. This is in the corner of our one of our workrooms, and then they came in and built this little corner office, so. It we looks do. awesome. Well, Coach, I, I just first want to say thank you so much for yeah. giving up your time. I, I'm honored. I can't believe that that you would take the time to talk hoops with me. This is just oh, no. incredible. Happy, happy to. I got that exact same picture behind you uh, in my bourbon room. So this uh, one here, the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody that was a, a present from my beautiful bride, and there you so go. She, she knows me well. I got it. I like <laughs> it. I like it. I, I had the the pleasure over the years of of watching your videos. Uh, I, I love getting to talk to almost any coach about basketball, but it's really special for me when philosophies line up, the, the kind of way, the way that you teach and, and the, the offense philosophies, but then getting to watch you at TABC and see how you interact with the players and just the positivity, the energy that you bring. I've, again, watched your videos on YouTube. This is, for me, just one of those uh, big moments, I think, in, in my life. Well, I hope it's not one of those deals where you kind of, you know, they always say never meet your idol because they can, they can very much, uh, I'm not saying I'm your idol. Don't, I'm not trying to say that at all, but I'm just saying. Coach, uh, don't disappoint couple, me now. Okay? There's, there's don't been do a couple of times I've met people I really <laughs> look forward to meeting. I'm like, mm, well, well, yeah, that's what, what I thought it would be. So I feel that I can, way. Yeah, I, I feel, can live up to that. Okay. All right. We'll do the best. I'll do the best I can. Yes, sir. I, I feel that way sometimes when people want to talk hoops with me or they want to talk you know, either shooting or offensive style of play, I'm always a little worried that the simplicity behind it may disappoint them because mm -hmm. it, when 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 you're teaching concepts and you want your players to be able to make quick decisions, you got to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes I feel like coaches are are wanting the secret sauce or, or wow, really do you? Well, I, I try not to talk a lot mm -hmm. and I get them a lot of reps and I make their decisions simple. 
but yeah. I, I get that. We we get that when people come to watch us practice. They'll say, hey, I really want to come watch y'all practice. And I'm like, no, you really don't. And they're like, well, yeah, no, I really do. And I said, no, I don't think you're going to like it very much. We need to just come up to the office and talk ball if, if that's really what you want to do. Spend mm-hmm. your time doing that because we practice for us. We don't practice to, to be viewed or to be watched by another. We practice to do the, the things that we need to do. And sometimes that's not great for note takers, yeah. you know, and, and people that want to steal because it, it's quite frankly, it's it's only good for us. and. And it's one of those curses of the clinics. We talk about them a lot. You, it could be the curse of a podcast, the danger of one story. There's a great TED talk out there, the danger of one story. You know, if, if you get believing only one thing or the wrong mm-hmm. thing, then you can catch yourself in trouble. You got to listen to it all. You got to take what you can uh, make fit with your your current team. And um, so anyway, with that as the intro, we, hopefully we don't let anybody down. Because of the style that that you play, uh, the emphasis that you put on shooting, I would love to know some of your influences. Because, like you said early on, uh, I think myself uh, or a lot of coaches, they're trying to do a lot of things. They're pulling from a lot of areas, and then finally, a style of play or an idea or a co- some concepts really you grab hold to them, and then it be kind of becomes your way in a sense. What are some of your influences? Uh, former players, uh, you know, that's what I really get anchored to is just talking to our players, what they w- wish we would have done more of mm-hmm. or uh, things that they felt like, you know, on, you know, after they graduate, get two, three years worth of reflection, go coach up. Man, that was really stuff that stuck with me. I wish we would have done more of that. And the more I heard that, the more I, the more it became very obvious that, um being solutional to kids and, and giving them confidence was the biggest key. We, we could change the drill, you know, from working with Plum. It was, I was very fortunate that I got her when I was still young enough to, to go to the gym and rebound for, her, <laughs> but she didn't ever want to do the same drill for more mm-hmm. than two or three days in a row. Uh, she, she would beat the drill in her mind or, or get the high score or, or, or max it out. And she'd want something different. So we had to get real creative and, simply start making things up. So that's uh, where the variety of all the shooting drills you have, it's, yeah. it's come from that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, what what's that old saying? Invention is the, the mother of necessity is invention or something along that. Necessity you know, when, is the mother of invention. Mother of invention. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, you know, because she would come in and say, uh, you know, I'd have all workout plans. She'd go, ah, I don't want to do that. We already did that. We did that last week. I'm, I'm done. We need something new. And that first time you're like, oh, okay, well, I don't know anything else. Give me a day. I'll try to do better. And she made me better, you know, because she forced me to always have a new drill ready to go. So, like, in the back of my mind with our players we have now, I've all, we're always holding one back. In case, they, <laughs> in case that day happens and you don't have time to plan, okay, it's shooting. It's the same, but it's scored differently or timed differently or just something to, you know, to to – continue to inspire them to come in there. If they're coming in on their own, you don't want it to be, all right, stand out there and try to make five in a row. Or I just don't think that works with the elite, elite uh, athletes. I mean, I think it works with some kids, but when you get to that, that, that next level kid who's coming into the gym on their own repeatedly, I think it's up to you as a, as a coach to, to provide them with some variety to keep them inspired. Yeah, uh, and it's fun. And it's fun. And, oh, and, and, yeah. You know, and that's, that's, it is one of the things. Again, I feel like 
I'm I'm 40, and so I, I've been coaching for about 16 years. I don't really feel like I have it figured out at all, or, or realize or know really who I am yet as a coach. But I and I mean this. This is a compliment. I like to from watching you in videos, watching you on the floor in person at TABC. Uh, I like to be a coach like you. The way okay. that the, the energy that you bring, uh, I just thought watching you teach, man, this would be fun. It'd be fun to be around him daily as a player and in the gym with him. And I, I just, I hope you take that as a compliment, I, not as. No, yeah. I do. I do. And I, and I hope it's that way every day. I think, the, you know, you, you, you kind of get a chance to see it every now and then. I think just like anything else, my style it could get old with our players. So I, I try to mix it up even with them. You know, there's there's days I can be a little bit maybe not as positive or maybe not as energetic and set back because I think it's like anything else. If you, you get too much of anything, kids get set in their ways. But I think it goes to the variety of that. You know, there were some drills, quite frankly, with Plum I made up that I thought were impossible because I was like, OK, I'm going to make one up she can't do. You know, let's let's just see what she does with this. And the next thing you know, she's beating it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, OK, well. So, you know, I tried to come up with things that would, would challenge a novice, yeah. you know, like some of these drills that we share. And I'll be happy if anybody that, that wants to will provide an email. My, my assistant coach who set the set up too, she's great. Uh, I can send you a copy of all those drills, but we have, you know, kind of a our standard, the, the plum standard, and then the plum record, you know, just so you can see where you match up. And my players like to look at it. They're like, okay, well, how would I have matched up against Plum? And you look at that record and you go, they go, oh, no, there's there's no way. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's it's on YouTube. If you want to sit there and count all 1,049 shots that she made that day, you can because she did it. Um, I just, you know, it is fun. It's It keeps me as, as young as my 53-year-old body will allow me to stay. Um, it keeps me, you know, thinking and, and learning. You know, we always say that, you know, if you – if you, I, I don't ever want to know it all. I want to try to learn it all. And I, I just watch and listen and try to tweak. And I tell everybody, any drill you've ever seen that we do, uh, if you tweak it some way, please tell me because I need something new. Hmm. Uh, I just think we've got to always be doing I think we owe it to our players. I, I just don't think dusting off the, you know, the same drill that you did yeah. uh, 25 years ago. Although, you know, some of those drills that are 25 years old now are still uh, very viable. Uh, they're, they're, they're relevant. Uh, they're challenging, uh, especially for kids that have never been put in, in an environment where competitive shooting is necessary. And that, that goes along, obviously in your system, the way you do things, you want your best shooters to get the most shots in the game. I hope, you know, that's what I tell everybody all the if time. It's not happening. You're in trouble. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, I say that all the time, and it, not on every game basis, but if you look at a five, 10, 15, 20 game snapshot, if you're, your best scorers aren't getting the most shots since on you. You know, that's one of those signs you need to improve. Mm. But um, I think yeah. these are all things that help you do that. These are the things that, you know, allow you to take love out of the equation. I love all my kids the same. I, I, I do, but I'm not going to let them all shoot the same type of shot at the same time in a game against the same opponent and expect us to be a good team. So these are the types of things that I think it takes love out of the equation. I can just show it to them. It's an yeah. easy conversation. It, Coaches talk about this all the time, you know, having crucial conversations. There's books about it, you know, crucial confrontations. And you got to have tough – not if not if you've got the evidence to back it up. It's real easy. 
you know, because it's so sensical. Uh, I, I say this, I'm not, I'm not sure it's true. I, I like to think that it's true, but I haven't lost a parent meeting in 24 years. I'm undefeated in, in parent and player meetings. Uh, You're never maybe, surprised by information shared in a parent meeting? <laughs> I've already got it. And they know now. <laughs> They're like, hey, I know you've got that stack of information over there, but here's what I – Yeah. So, you know, um, when it comes to shot selection, there's been other things I've had to have discussions right. about. But when it comes to shot distribution, shot selection, and, and you know, the, the one thing that always talks about it when I was talking to a, a writer from – they're, you know, Plum, they just made it to the WNBA finals. So they're asking some about, about Plum. And, you know, the, the thing about her was I think these drills protected her in the locker room. Um, and you're going to have a kid that is probably the best shooter on every team. Well, you got to find a way to protect that kid, that they're not a ball hog. The reason, the reason I get these shots is because I've earned it. And you've got the same opportunity to come in and do the exact same drills under the exact same set of circumstances same number of balls, same number of rebounders. And if you can get the time, I'm sure coach will let you shoot it as much as they do me. And it just allowed her to, it was, it was a, a protection mechanism. I had nobody after the first year, the first year, everybody, but after that next year, when everybody realized they couldn't reach the same standards, it was an easy conversation. And the, you talked about secret sauce earlier, what the unintended sauce, I guess we would call it of this was I had a couple of players that would come in and go, okay, coach, I get it. I don't shoot as good as Kelsey does. What can I do to help our team win that'll help nice. me play more? And that's, and that's the right question. That's like, it's, it's an <laughs> aha moment for the kid. And it's that, this is, I got it right here. Because yeah. then it was like, okay, coach, I get it. I, I'm not going to shoot it 20 times a game, but I might shoot it 10 and I need to make those. What else can I do to get on the floor? Now, that's when you can screen, you can get her open, you can puncture the paint and pitch it to her. Um, and, and as a result, she will start trusting you more, and she did. And I still, you know, she went from being, you know, a record-setting player to leading her team to the Final Four. That's pretty rare. You know, Jackie Styles did it at Southwest Missouri State back in the day, and and Plum did it. But you, you look at the, sometimes the, the, the real high-level scorers don't end up playing in the Final Four, hmm. you know, because it doesn't necessarily equate to teams. So um, the fact that she was able to do all those things, uh, I, I think it was – a result, obviously, of who she is, and we were just the the vehicles that helped her get there. It wasn't any anything any especially special talents we had, other than we were willing to put the time in with her and and be there with her. Coach, I think that's one of the best explanations that I've ever heard of how shooting games, shooting competitions, and charting, and you can chart in a variety of ways. Charting isn't just writing things down, that's great because you can keep it longer, but charting also is, all right, guys, come on in. We just did Ray Allen. How many? Raise your hand if you had two or more. Keep your hands up if you – and it's that role identification. Like yep. over the last 10 years at Faith, we, we, shoot the, we, we shoot the three a ton in games, but it's because of how we train. And, and coaches are always asking, well, what about shot selection? You got to nail that down with a good scale that you take out those vague words like good, great, that's bad, whatever. You take those out, you throw them away. So you, but then the, with the games that you play, I love that idea of it makes it easier for your better players in the locker room where there's less animosity because the hierarchy or the pecking order is established daily and validated daily. Coach, that was, uh, thank it's, you for sharing it like that. Well, it, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't the intent. You know, when we started yeah. it, that was not the intent. 
The intent um, was we need to we need to make more shots. We need to train our ba- players better. But that's the another byproduct yeah. of it. That yeah, I love it. The intent was just you know for, when Kelsey committed to us, it was we we you know it was a different thing. Washington hadn't been going to the NCAA tournament at the time, so it was basically a, we told her we were going to do this. We got to do it. We got to be here in the gym. We got to do this. And then it became okay. Now that we're in the gym, what do we do with that? And then that took it to a whole nother level. Um, you know, I've always said she taught me more about coaching than I ever taught her about basketball. Wow. But, but she also brought other kids along. It's not just Plum. It's, it's you know, Jazz Davis did it. And then that led to Christy Kingman doing it. And that led to, led to all these other people. And now here, you know, I've got an incoming freshman that has stated that she would, she's going to beat all the Plum's records, you know. And I, I'm like, I hope so. You know, it'd be a great thing. And if, but I got news for her. If she beats one record, Kelsey's going to fly in and beat it. Uh, <laughs> that's just, that's just who she is. Another example too of when you chart and you keep track of these these shooting games and competitions. To me, it's a way to keep the legacy, keep the presence of some of your better players in the gym. To mm-hmm. where you know we have a record board in the gym with some statistical records from games, but also some records from our games that we play just in practice. Yep. So our younger guys walk in. And this, this this Dalton guy, he's all over the place, Coach. I'm going to get that one. And it we'll just see. feeds the monster. <laughs> yeah. I love it, yeah. Coach. We'll see. You know, that's what I – I always say that. That's that's from an old uh, – that's from an old Aaron Sorkin movie, uh, Charlie Wilson's War, when he's talking about the Zen Master. He always say, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I say that a lot of times. Okay, we'll see. I want to circle back to uh, the convert. You said that – your former players influence a lot of the the decisions or, or the directions that you go or what you continue to do based on what they said. Is that an, an intentional conversation that you have with each of them before they go? Because I've had uh, another coach on before that has like, what's one thing you love that we did? What's one thing you wish we did more? What's one thing you wish we didn't yeah. do? And that's helped shape. What do you, what do you do? I've, you know, obviously if somebody wants to talk on their way out the door, I'll always listen, you know, but I think it takes a little while longer okay. to get the real meat of it. I think if you ask them on the way out the door, um, depending on not, their experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, maybe they're not far enough away from it yeah. yet, but um, especially kids that like, you know, go on and either play some professionally someplace else. And they're like, coach I, they don't work out as hard as we did or they they don't they didn't do this or they did do these things so i just think it gives them a unique perspective hmm. for us obviously we talk a lot about it in recruiting ahead of time so it, it's kind of a i would i would say an incremental thing that we kind of you know, kind of you're kind of building the bridge as you go across it you know uh there's not really an owner's manual on how to do this i think you got to continually be writing it but i, I find a lot of uh, and it's probably the age i'm dealing with you know, they're 21, 22 when they're graduating. Uh, if I could wait till they're 25 or 26, I, I tend to get better answers. So, you know, if I get a chance to see them back out on the road or they come back for an alumni game, uh, it uh, text messaging nowadays, you know, I, I still text a, a large number of our former players. And uh, that's, you know, you only have to ask once or twice. Yeah. And then they'll start giving it to you. They'll be like, hey, coach, I was thinking about what you said last year. Here's something that dawned on me. Um, and, and I think they're your best resources. They're the players that have to, the people that have to, you know, try to live to the expectations that we've all set and the things that we value. And then you see how that worked out. Did it translate into 
helping them at their job. You know, most of them hadn't had a job yet. So, but I get, that's, that's one of the best ones I get. I, I'm getting ready to go induct one of my, I was a swim coach when I was a high school coach. Oh, uh, I didn't know yeah, that. We could do an hour and a half on that. Uh, it's, 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 it's a crazy situation. I can't swim, which is the, the best part. That's all you need to know to know that we could talk about an hour and a half of it, but, uh, she's going into the hall of fame and she asked me to come back and induct her and just to hear, you know, the things that she talks about that I, as an, I didn't know anything about swimming, but I, I was passionate about it. I cheered for him when nobody, you know, it wasn't cool. Everybody's like, what is this guy doing over here? Cause I was a basketball coach at swim meet. And they're looking at me like, what is going on? But the kids still talk about that to, you know, 25 years later. So you never know. You know, you never know as a coach what's going to be impactful. And uh, hearing from from your kids, your your former players. And uh, to me, if you're, if you're not seeking that out, uh, man, you're missing a golden opportunity to learn. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Since we've been talking a little bit about you know growing and learning new things, new drills, and, and trying to continue to evolve, what's one of the best things that you've borrowed lately? Uh, on the court wise, um, I saw it, I went to, to Hungary to watch 3v3 uh, play, USA FIBA 3v3, and I was watching a team practice, uh, a master's team practice before I got there, uh, and they were playing full court, three on three on goals that were basically a, a, a main goal and a side goal. Hmm. So rather than playing so, three on three half court, they were playing a full court three-on-three three small-sided game. So it was huh. shrunk into this small gym. I was trying to figure out what they were doing. And the more I watched it, I was like, this is genius. And I've never done that. We play small-sided games. We play half-court 3v3. We say you can't drive it on this side of the rim. But there's always this half-court check-it type mentality. Well, let's play full court. Let's get back in transition and shrink the side. So, so I, I would so say goal, goal here, yeah, then goal, goal here, here on the side. and yeah. then playing – Wow. Yeah, side to side. It's crazy how fast things can happen, too. So we tried that. That'd probably be my, you know, on-court thing. The off-court thing happened uh, last week. We were having a little um, – we were starting our season out, so we are going over our pet peeves. Uh, started this a few years ago, just simply asking kids, man, what gets on your nerves about coaches? And you'll be shocked what you'll get. It's, it's awesome information to have. <laughs> so I tell them, these are our eight as coaches. You know, one one of the one of them is, I, I it's a pet peeve of mine when we send a text message out to a group and not everybody responds with a you know a thumbs up or a fist pound or a I got you or whatever pet peeve. So we shared that. So if you can stay off each other's pet peeves list, you know the players send us what they don't like about coaches. You'd be shocked what you get. They I had a team a few years ago that hated that we would wear gear to practice that they didn't have. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, you got that white sweatsuit that we don't have. And that, that makes me mad. Wow. And I'm like, okay, why? And they're like, because I want it. And you, we don't have access to it. And you got it for recruiting and we get it, but don't wear it to practice. And I was like, fair enough. You know, so we started dressing alike. We started, we didn't wear anything they didn't wear. And I went back and that's a George Patton thing. So 
Uh, anyway, that's not new. Those are things we've always done. We could do an hour and a half on pet peeves too. Uh, but we always had one huge pet peeve of our of any team I've ever been a part of is is talk outside of the team. So we adopt the Alcoholics Anonymous creed of what you hear here stays here. You've probably heard that if you've ever had anybody in your your circle or family that's been an alcoholic. What you hear here stays here. That's that's something they say to each other. You can say whatever you want here and it stays here. Well, I mentioned that and we had a, a visiting speaker and he says, yeah, but he goes, there's a thing called modified Vegas rule. And he kind of coined that term evidently because I've never seen it or heard it. And I've researched it and Googled it. And <laughs> he just, he kind of made it, you know, Vegas is what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas type mentality. He calls it modified Vegas. So when I said, what you hear here stays here, he goes, yeah, that's great. He goes, but add this. He said, what you learn here leaves here. And I was like, whoa, like I hadn't, I've never heard that. That's and I, I'm an avid reader and I listened to, and I've never heard that. What you hear here stays here, but what you learn here needs to leave here and pass on to somebody else. So we've added that. So I borrowed that from him and uh, his name's Dr. Chris Bader and he's on our campus and he's amazing, but um, we'll have that. That'll be something that's in every Note, coaching notebook that that I share or anytime anybody wants to talk about it what you hear here stays here but what you learn here better leave here so uh, that's that's the on-court off-court borrow how do you go about sharing those with each other uh, write them down okay so you ask them to do it and you yep. do it yeah yeah well just if you're if you're if you're considering doing it as an exercise with your team they're going to be they're, they're going to kind of be a little bit in the dark about what they should write down. And you can tell them whatever, but they still won't write down a lot. So you should share yours first. Like when they saw what ours was, they're like, oh, okay, so it's going to be like that. Okay, well, then we're going to say, one year it was one player went, well, coach, I, I hate it when we have soggy fries. I said, wait, what? She goes, yeah, you know, after the game, sometimes the fries, by the time we get them, they're soggy. I said, no problem. I said, well, first of all, you know, we have to order this food like, an hour and a half before the game's over. So maybe you shouldn't be ordering fries, but I, I feel like this is an episode of Ted Lasso that we're talking about. It is about. a Ted Lasso episode. <laughs> you can imagine how much I love Ted Lasso. The shower head, the shower head oh, pressure. Oh, yeah. I'm listening. I'm always listening to stuff like that. You'd be shocked. Yeah. The number of little things that we've provided players over the years that have made huge differences. Uh, you know, you bring up Ted Lasso. I, I I tell every coach, there's got you've got to have a little bit of Ted Lasso in you. To you can't maybe you can't pull it all off. That's just not possible for everybody. Yeah, and I you, get, you would still want to be authentic. I but, get it. It's yeah. a TV show. I get all those things, but man, just the the overall arching, you know, of that character, and you know, everybody needs Coach Beard around. And, and I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure where this Nate character's arc is going, but even Nate. Nate oh, this! I was talking about it at lunch today. Yeah. Disappointed how quickly maybe. he flipped. <laughs> he may be coming back. I, I don't know. We could do where we think season four of of Ted Lasso is going to go. I think we've all got our theories <laughs> of how it's going to end. But um, you know, I, I just. You would be shocked at the things, but we share them. We, we write them down. They're in our, our player notebook. They're in our coach's notebook. Uh, it's a work in progress. It can be updated any point in time if there's something that comes up. Um, you know, our particular team, I don't always share our particular teams because I want it to be with our – but, you know, some of the things in the past, just it it's really eye-opening as a coach. The, the stuff that you think matters, yeah, it's not even on their radar sometimes. And the stuff that they think that matters has not even been on my radar before. So 
Uh, I think it's just a cool exercise. And uh, the kids now that have been a part of our program here for four years, you know, when that day comes out, uh, they're prepared. Oh, they're ready. They, they've got a list of stuff that's been bugging them and bothering them. Uh, here, I'll give you this example about this year's team. We, had a, we have a, a, a huge campus population this year, the biggest camp, uh, population ever on our campus, and parking is an issue. It's bad. I mean, it's hard to park. But we have some reserved spots out here for our athletes in our facility. But because it takes a little while for the new students to realize that's not where they're supposed to park, there's never spots available. So my assistant coaches and I, day one, when school started, went out there at 5 a.m. And, and the week before, started putting notes on people's car, like, you can't park here starting Sunday. You know, this is for – this is a reserve spot. Please vacate your cars. And – that, that first day, there were four or five spots open for 30 players, men's and women's basketball. So we had to sit out there and move some cars and uh, hold some. We sat in chairs, sitting in lawn chairs, waiting for our <laughs> players to come in. But after, but just the, the smile on their face. Yeah. Going, Thanks, Coach. You know, just something that little. It has nothing to do. It didn't cost us a dime of our budget. Not one dime did it cost us out of our budget. It didn't cost any money. It just was some time we spent and some – prioritizing of that something that they felt important so and don't be afraid to ask don't you know don't don't assume it's always basketball related stuff that mm. can make a difference in your kids lives yeah I think the goal the goal for all of us is to no matter what your facilities are your budget is is to be excellent with what you have mm -hmm. but like yeah. you said sometimes you don't know what you don't know and nope. I would imagine so as a, I, I want to know those things for my players. I want to know, I want to know Ask. their pet peeves, but I've never asked them like, so how am I, what is it just randomly? Am I just like, like, we don't want our, our players to base their game on hope, but yet I'm basing getting mm -hmm. to know their pet peeves just on, I yep. hope it happens. So I, but then I'm wondering how many coaches, when they hear you do that and they think about doing that, there's a part of them, like, it's kind of gutsy. Because what if I hear or learn something that is a big part of my, my not character, but the way that I talk, the way that I communicate, the program that I feel like is in a good place. What if there's something that I'm missing, I'm not seeing, and it really rocks me. So I, I'm wondering okay. if there's coaches out there that feel that way about doing something like that. There are, and they should get out of coaching and get into something else because they're giving the rest of us a bad name and making our jobs incredibly hard. If you're not vulnerable enough to listen to your players, and I mean, we say it all the time. We ask these kids to do incredibly hard things. And yeah. what do you got? What 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 do what do you do that's hard? I mean, is it hard to pull out a practice schedule that you've been doing for 20 years over and over on this date? Is it hard to come up with a new drill when they say there? Is it hard to? It's just I don't know. I, I hope those coaches that feel like that, and there are. I've listen. I've gotten in massive discussions after I give a talk on. You know, reasons I think you stink as a coach. Uh, it's not your players. It's that, that list is up to 41 things, and I've done all 41 of them. Yeah. But people will get defensive, man. They're like, oh, man, I don't, you can't do that. You've got to be the boss. I said, okay, well, we'll see. Let me check back in Especially five years. Especially with today's coaching. player, with how they can pretty much find any, any, any answer they want quickly yeah. to, to, to expect them to not want to know why. Yep, I think is is naive, but yeah, just an, to me, it's just an encouragement for for coaches to 
to feel good about who they are, to have enough security in themselves to do that. And like you said, be vulnerable. I think that was, that's awesome, coach. It keeps you from having to be perfect, man. I mean, mm. if you're, if you're sitting around all the time, setting up that, you know, I, I tell my kids, you don't need me for information anymore. You're going to look that up. You need me with what to do about that information you gather and how to interpret it and how do you, how to pull that information into a decision-making model that allows you to make better choices. Um, I, I don't know. Like, again, I get it. There are a lot of people that, that, uh, but I say, please get out of the way, go find something else to do because you're holding the rest of us back. Uh, if you're not, if you're, you're not, you know, it's just not living with the times. It's just yeah. not, it's just not keeping up and there's places there's still, I'm sure parts where you can do it that way, but uh, it's making it harder for the rest of us that, um, that, that understand that you better uh, communicate with your players. And it, again, I'm not telling you to change anything. But you should be challenged by it. If you're not challenged, then you, stop asking your kids to do hard things. <laughs> exactly. Stop. Like, stop I, I, how many times I've challenged myself with this? Like, hey, uh, guys, you get out of your comfort zone. At what time in the day do I do anything outside of my comfort zone? That's you know, so <laughs> be an interesting study. The number, the number one thing on my list of reasons you you stink and it's not your players is if you stand up in a game and Say, I just told you, I just told you, or I've told you a thousand times. Okay. Well, you just announced to the building that you over a thousand times have told this player that, and they still don't get it. Yeah. And you're you're playing That you're not a very good teacher. (laughs) You might as well just stand up and start yelling, my bad. I shouldn't have you in the game until I teach you better. Mm. Uh, Because it's if I've done this a thousand times and you're still doing it wrong, then I'm a bad teacher. And I still catch myself. Don't listen. I've I've been at gyms and everybody laughs. I've done all 41 of the things on the list that are I think are, are a bad sign, uh, but that's the one that that glares. And, and I'll, I'll I've heard it four or five times already this year, going around watching practices. And <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, there you go. I, I think too a challenge with with doing an activity like that is the responsibility of the follow through, because if they're going to tell you these pet peeves there better be an action step after them or else it's just, it's just what I think a lot of us coaches do, which is an activity that's really empty and shallow that doesn't have any depth to it. I'm thinking back to my, my college coach that he would come down from the office right before practice. He'd call me over and he'd say, Matt, Matt, tell tell me any same phrase. Tell me what you think about this. And, and he, and he, about an offensive change in flex. How many changes mm. are there with flex? Yeah. But he, I mean, it was an adjustment, to, another adjustment to flex. Sure. Yeah. And early on, I felt pretty honored that he would ask me. But then he kept asking me, but I knew it. After he asked me, it meant that I was going to be on the scout team that day. And and because he followed it up with, well, I, since I know you got it, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to have you play. And I'd just be like, well, yeah. at some point, it just, it, you know what? Don't ask me. Don't ask right. me that. Just do if, it. If, yeah. You know, it. Just, just tell me where I'm going to go. So with something like, I don't know why I thought of it, but something like right. that, there better yeah, be follow through. And when you write it down, you know, like, like I tell the kids, if, if it's not on your list, then don't come at me about it, you know, mm-hmm. put it on the list. And we're kind of that way with coaches too. If we haven't put it on the list, then it's not fair game to really hold them accountable for. So. Yeah. How hard is that to play for a guy that continues to come up with new pet peeves every day? <laughs> Man, it's tough. It's, <laughs> we, I, I think this team has, I think this team's up to eight or nine, but 
um, you know, it, it becomes habit for us, you know, it becomes a bit, you know, habitual in, in a good way that when we find out that is something that really bothers our team, uh, that's where growth happens. Uh, and when like, I'm not telling you that you know, you're always going to stay off your team or your, your coaches, we do it in our office too. Every person in our office is able to list our things. Um, so we, but I mean, just think about the, the logic behind it. If, if you got to say eight things that bother you, if, if I go to my number nine thing, you're at living a pretty good day. If I'm avoiding the eight things that you hate the most, and it's only the ninth one that I'm doing, you're in a pretty good environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we use it to check each other. And um, I, I think it's a, another one of those accidental um, things that we did that the value has just continued to be enormous uh, year after year. What, what's one thing that, that makes your program different? Hard, hard uh, sometimes one thing, so I'll open it up to what are some things? Well, I'm just going to go to the most recent thing. We had a, a couple of coaches at practice today, and they were like over there taking down all these, writing down these terms. And they were like, what do you mean when you said this? What do you mean? I think our lang- it's our language. You know, our terminology, I want it to be unique. You know, we don't use um, one, two, three, four, five to identify players. We don't use point guard, two guard, shooting guard, three guard, power forward, post player. We, we have locks, rabbits, dragons, and uh, rackers. And the reason we do that is because we get to explain exactly what a racker is. It's a point guard to most people. They'd say, oh, that's your point guard. I'm saying, no, it's our racker. Because we're asking our point guard, our racker, to do very, very specific things to us. So, you know, I borrowed this term from Buzz Williams. It's called words we use. That's, that's our, our dictionary is words we use. And it's the words only we use. Like, it may not make any sense to – these coaches that had come in from uh, another state to watch us practice are like, I don't, I couldn't even understand what y'all were saying. Well, that's because you don't understand our language Hmm. and it makes it unique to our kids. Uh, It forces them to maybe relearn some things. Um, And there's an initial shock. You know, I think our freshmen sometimes are a little bit overwhelmed by it. We warn them coming into recruiting, you know, that if you're not prepared for it, don't come here, go someplace else. That's going to be the same thing over and over that you've always done. Uh, and because again, if I ask you to write down the 10 base, best qualities of a point guard and I ask 10 other coaches to do it, I bet we'd end up with a list of 70 or 75 things out of a hundred. We'd have some overlap, but our order would be drastically out of different, mm. uh, out of order. So I don't want to count on what somebody else has told them a point guard is or what commentator they heard on. Uh, a broadcast say, oh, she's the consummate point guard. And they go, well, I want to be the consummate point guard. So I'm going to do those things. Well, those things don't work for us. So I, I think our language uh, and the way we, we talk to each other, we're very intentional. Like we, we have word battles sometimes. Like we're, which, what's the best form of the word? You know, stop. We, we, we don't use the word motivation around here because that's motivation is something. If you look it up and you drill it down, you know, that's, somebody doing something to um, get a response from you that they desire. Inspiration is the better word. I, I would rather be inspirational than motivational. Hmm. Inspirational means they're in, they do it on their own. That's the better form of the word. Now, I'm not saying there's not a time you need to have to motivate. You do. But, man, if you can be inspirational over motivational, which one would you choose? Yeah. So we, we've done a bracket. Like we, we put brackets up there. We had 60-14 bracket. 
of what words we use. What are the most important words that we use? And they always, the final four has been the same because they we have posters of it everywhere in our building, but trust, talent, time, and tolerance wins out every year. You know, that's our final four words every year. And those become our pillars or your, your you know, your whatever you want to use, your program theme or mottos or whatever standards. But um, we get very specific in the words we intentionally choose to use. And we call each other out on it when, when we mess up. Um, you know, I, I will still revert back to my playing days from, from my coach who called that spot on the floor uh, in between the block and the corner. He called it the short corner, you know. So I'll say, get over there, short corner. And they're like going, oh, that's not what you mean, the rabbit hole? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, go to the rabbit hole. You know, so I don't know. I, I think that's – if every program has unique things they do. I think they're all probably, you know, beg, borrowed, steal tweets sure. from, you know, Facebook defect from something they've seen. But I can honestly say if I ever go to see somebody and their their positions are called rack or rabbit – dragons and locks, then they've seen some stuff we've talked about. People have changed it. We've got a, a local team here that uses top gun names, you uh, know, you, same positions, but they made them cooler. Um, so I, I think there's some, uh, there's definitely some carryover value, but I, uh, there's a lot of things in our program that are very similar to everybody else. But if you came to our practice, I think that'd be probably the first thing you would notice would be the, the words that you hear repeatedly. The phrases are very specific. We try to keep them as simplified as one syllable as possible and short, mm. you know, uh, memorable, uh, made to stick so they can remember them and specific to us. We try not to introduce, you know, new ones unless they they are important and have impact. It's not just something we read on Twitter or saw some other program do. And it has to it has to be specific to, to us, uh, our team and, and that specific year. I mean, we want our concepts to be just so ingrained in our players. So that when they're playing, it's more instinctual. They don't have instinctive. They don't have to think about what they're doing and where and what it's called. And as coaches, it even makes us, it gives us the ability to be more efficient with our teaching, yep. be able to speak less. I think that's the challenge. And I love that you you talked about the, the words that you say. I, I had the honor of getting to direct for PGC for five summers. Mm -hmm. And Dick DiVenzio, was a, the, the founder, was a master of yep. sticky language that is talking about something that probably has eight, like the porch, like the, mm -hmm. like it, it has all of those, all, all those things. But then I'm, the, I think the challenge going back to is for coaches to write down the concepts that they really want their players to know, streamline those so that at, in a singular practice, you're not hearing three or four words for the same action. Cause that's confusing. It is. And uh, you know, you mentioned PGC. They've carried that on with the guys now, too. They're the same way. Uh, the things that they're talking about, it's yep. the same um, uh, that, that Dick started, the things that are important. But, no, I, I think the um, just that attention to it and the intentionality of it, um, it, it's easy to complicate things. Anybody, you know, there's a statement, somebody famous said, any idiot can complicate things. It takes genius to, to simplify it. Hmm. And it's the greatest compliment I, I ever hear around is, man, you know, stuff looks so simple, but it's really hard to guard. Or your, your, your concepts, your systems seemed very simplistic. That's the greatest compliment I think, you know, somebody that, that thinks like we do can take. Not other people want it to be complicated. They want it to be. But I think in the way that we're going about it, that's one of those things you look for. That's a, a piece of evidence that it is getting out there, uh, that kids are carrying it on. and. 
if they can't speak it back, if, if they can't yeah. teach it to a freshman or they can't, yeah. you know, one of the things I've done, it, I actually did it at a PGC clinic one time. I had one of my former players was there in attendance and I brought her up and I said, uh, see if you can explain this in this, the, the same words. And like when she did it, it was like almost word for word, what we used to, how we would defend ball screens. Uh, and it was a, a terminology and a language. And we actually went out and, and brought in somebody from that was in the lobby that did not speak English. Didn't speak the didn't speak the language, and in about a minute and a half, we were able to teach them how to guard ball screens just by let, letting them watch. So it's got to be simple. You you got to be able to be repeatable. Uh, and to me, when you get that, and and that's that's a sign that uh, that you've done some learning. That yeah, you don't have to tell a kid a thousand times. They they already know. Coach, if you don't mind, I'd love to share a a, a game that. Yeah. It was it, PGC. So I did the point guard college course, which was the flagship, mm -hmm. you know, the original by Dick DeVentio. One of my favorite yep. games that we played was called changing defenses. So you have an offensive team. This coaches, this is a challenge. Really, it, what it did is challenge me to think of does my zone offense against a 2 3 uh, uh, or a, against a 1 3 1 or 3 2 or against man to man? Do my offenses, each of them have three to four? Uh, concepts that my players know and that they can fl flow, go right into, because I think a lot of us are guilty of, man, we've got 10 to 15 things that we really want them to accomplish in any possession. So in this game, real quick, in this game, you got your team of five at half court in a circle. And I would take a microphone around to, to, cause you know, we have the whole gym going and then teams on the baseline looking like cutthroat, the first team comes on. If it's man-to-man, -man, they line up across the free throw line, all of them. If it's a 1-3-1, one, one, defender came up to the top of the key. And then if it was a 2-3, two, two guys came up. So it was very easy to see what the defense was. And then they had 10 to 15 seconds, the first round as a group, to come up with the three to four concepts and say them clearly. The right, not, not, mm. uh, we got to stand over, over there. No, 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 no. Like, you got to get Too dangerous. Much. And you got to build your triangles. And you got to engage two and hunt the paint. And, mm -hmm. you know, make the ball work. Like, so, and then the moment, if they didn't kick them off, new team, but the next team had to do a different defense than the one before. If I they like actually got it right and they scored, they got to stay on offense, new defense. And then I, the next round would be, okay, you take the, only the few people that have, that were speaking and say, you can't talk and you can't talk. You yeah. make the others. And then you ultimately, yeah. Yeah. and then ultimately you haven't said a word all day, the third round, you got all all four of them go and anything wrong. I love getting to see just in that environment strangers from all across one communicate well precisely and then what we want them. So I took it back home and I realized I don't have concepts. So it, it's been one of the best games yeah. for us. Yeah. No, it's great. And that I love our not love. Well, I love when this moment comes up. I always get coach skills. You know, I, I, just, I don't have very good decision makers. I said, well, look, let me see a copy of your practice schedule. Well, you didn't give them a chance to make any decisions. It's you, all scripted. Yeah. It's, you, they're, all they're doing is they're actors. Yeah. And you're a, you're a director. Hmm. You, you don't have one thing in here where they're allowed to be decisive. And they're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Well, what are some drills you do? And what are some, some scenarios you set up in your practices where, you know, they're allowed to make mistakes? That's the other part. I, you know, I always, I have a list of things that I look for on people I try to schedule. 
<laughs> if I see a team running for punishment, I'm going to try to schedule them. That's one of my signs. If they, if I ever go to a gym and because a team does something wrong, they have to get on the line and run. I'm like, okay, let's get them on the schedule. We're going to beat them in time. They may be, we're going to beat them over the course of time because if a kid's never allowed to make a decision without yeah. having to run or do something, they're not going to try. They're going to try. They're not going to stretch. It's Wayne Gretzky principle. He used to trip and practice all the time. Yeah. Everybody laugh at him because he was trying to do things faster in a different way. And you're going to fall sometimes. You've got to be allowed to be able to make a mistake without it costing you playing time or uh, you know any of that stuff. And if you don't, if you don't set it up in your practices, now you're just relying on the game time to be when they have to make decisions. Bold strategy to experiment then. That's very bold. I mean, it's just like, why are we going to experiment against Tennessee? Why don't we do it against each other when yeah. nobody's watching? Um, but you know, giving that, them the, letting them have the environment where it's okay to fail right now. We call it bike riding time. Guys, yeah. remember back when you were little and you were learning to ride a bike, what did you do when you fall down? Did you do push-ups? Did, yeah. you, did you run? Did you go inside? Did you quit that day? No, you got right back on and you tried to go a little bit farther. I think that's the, that's the mm -hmm. idea or the environment we want to create in practice. It's got to be. If you're, if you're, if you're involved, you know, if you're interested in improvement, if you're just interested in getting the two hours of your practice down so you can go home and move on to your next part of your day, then again, go ahead and get out of coaching if you don't mind. Make room for the rest. Some it's also an argument. Try. Yeah, it's also an argument against. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. Um, I, I, it's exciting. I, again, getting to talk with you, it's it's like I've been <laughs> waiting since TABC to do this. So, uh, no, but, yeah, it's and it's also kind of the idea of be, being careful about too much five on O, where everything looks great, but there's there's no decisions that are being made, and then you know when you go, you go into a game situation and you haven't given guys an opportunity to actually. Find the fail. find the yeah. reasons and fail and figure out what really what happened what works for them and you know uh, yeah you're going back to what like, you hear coaches say in games that's it's I just think we're all too concerned with sometimes how it looks in practice that if you know if somebody were up there watching us they're gonna go man it looked like a practice I don't care what anybody in our practice thinks other than me and our players yeah. and our and our staff like it's all set up for a reason if you want to understand it then come watch us practice every day don't just show up. Yeah. On, you know, the day you, you tried to you decided to come in and, and, and watch. It's more than that. There's there's more pieces to it. And, you know, I, I think it's messy. I think, you know, Fran Priscilla, I, I have a little book I carry around. And one of Fran's comments was practice chaos creates game calmness. And if your practices are all scripted and all got to look, there's nothing pretty about, you know, a, a knockdown drag out where you know, your two best players are fouled out and, you're not you're not going to have them ready, and and I'd rather look good in games than I had in practice. So we try to make all our mistakes out here. Uh, we do a lot more coaching in practice than we do in game. We try to manage the clock and manage situations in games. People will I've been criticized for not being more um, energetic or more uh, emotional during games, um, but I, I think they should come to practice. I yeah. invite those people. That's where I'm doing that. And and our, in, in a game is when we need to manage the situation. We're not trying to cure all of our sicknesses uh, in a media timeout. We're trying to get to that next, what's next. And we'll, we'll fix the rest of it in practice. So I, I think practice is that time. And if you, if you don't utilize those times, if you're just trying to fill, if you're putting in 
you know, star drill, three men weave. If you're doing things that you don't translate. Fake um, fundamentals by Brian fake, McCormick, right? Fake there. fundamentals. And, <laughs> you know, you're feeling it. You're, 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 you know, it's just, to me, that's a disservice uh, to your team. And, and, I, and I'm glad the internet's out there for that reason, because a lot of kids can now watch other practices and they mm. can see that it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we didn't, I didn't have that growing up. Yeah. I trusted that what my coach was doing was the right thing for us and uh, the right thing for me and the right thing for us as a team. But uh, I think there's a lot more pressure on us now as coaches to make sure that um, we're, we're utilizing those minutes, not hours, but every single minute. And I think if you do that, what you get is you get a group of kids that, they know you're not going to waste their time on stuff that doesn't help them win a game or help them become a better player. Um, you know, some of that can be in the off season. It doesn't necessarily always happen to end season, but uh, the time that you're out there with them, uh, you, you need to be very solutional in the talk that you're giving them. The, the feedback's got to be almost immediate nowadays. You know, another, another thing that I always look for is people that say, yeah, we got in the film room yesterday after last night's game and we got a lot better. Well, if it took you till that next day, to get into the film room, you're behind us because our kids are going to get 10 clips to their phone within 15 minutes of the game being over. Mm. you got to close that feedback with these kids. I mean, think about this for you. I mean, I challenge adults in our clinics all the time. Pick your phone up and open up a website. How long do you give it to open before you go, ah, screw it, I'm just going to the next one? <laughs> Five seconds? Seven seconds? Coach, you that, know, thing, that thing better not pause at all. <laughs> no, I mean, if, it, if, it, if, if you get the spinner. Oh, I'm out. My two-year-old son, he's trying to find Coco Melon on Netflix, on uh, YouTube. And if it spins, he's to the next one. Up swipe, up swipe, yeah. up. Yeah. If it doesn't open immediately, we got a problem. So if I'm, if, if I hear, oh, yeah, we got in the film room that next day and we really hunkered down and we got better. Oh, awesome. What are y'all doing this time on November 15th next year? We'd love to play. Um. That's a sign because they're, they're, that doesn't even take technology anymore. Used to, it took some technology. Every single person out here listening has the technology to be able to provide that to your players. And if you don't close that feedback loop, um, it's, you've lost teaching moments. Uh, if you wait till the next day, if you have to look at it on film, um, not saying there's not a time where you don't go back and learn something from film that you impart to your team, but you better be correcting um, behaviors that you want corrected as they happen yeah. in real time. Uh, if you're waiting around or you're waiting until you've seen it again or confirmed, then um, your, your, your challenges are other things, not, not what you really think they are. In, te in, in my opinion, team-wide film sessions, they should be rare, and they also should be celebrations where we're just, man, we're – or, high, like, I mean, we watch highlight films – Mm -hmm. uh, before games to, cause I want my guys going into battle thinking of the last and not battle. I actually don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. Okay. It, I'll ask. Yeah, it's okay. okay. Uh, there's ask, times where I'm like, it's, this isn't war. It's a game. No, but, but you know, it's funny you mentioned, go ahead. I'm going to interrupt you because I, asked, yeah. we, we had, we had the, the commander of the ground forces unit in front of us. And I specifically was at Washington and we used dog tags as a reward system. And I asked, nice. I said, did, do you take that as offensive wow. when we say we're giving he and I said, do you take it as an offense when we say we're going to battle, we're going to war? They said, absolutely not. We love it. 
The people that are in it do not take offense to it. So I, I but I was like you, I was cautious. That makes like, me feel better because I, I no, say that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, these are the I do too. But these are the people. These are the people that have physically done it. I've never served. Yeah. So I don't. I, I don't feel. But he said, Coach, we we take it. I take that as 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 a compliment. And in my world, you go on using those dog tags nice. to celebrate that with your kids. That that's a that's a cool thing. And but I, but we ask. Just don't bring up with me. Don't use the word chess match to describe basketball. Don't use chess match. You hear it all the time in commentary. Coach, you know. if it is a chess match, I'm lost because because yeah. to me it's it's the game is. I mean, one just like with shot selection, we want them to have a next mentality. Yeah. Right. So when I coach a, a, an offensive possession. Once that's done, I'm not thinking three or four back or three or four ahead. I'm yeah, that's just it just me. This was Annie Duke, the great poker player. I don't know if you follow if you ever watch ESPN poker late at night. She's one of the top poker players in the world, but she's an author now. And she talks about thinking in bets and making decisions. And she she we had her during we had her during COVID on a Zoom, and she was phenomenal with us. And Chet, it came up. She goes, uh-uh, it's not chess. You guys, as basketball coaches in most sports, you're playing poker. I'm like, okay, where's this going? And she just, we all, you can kind of see us all, you know, I was on Zoom. You can see everybody kind of lean in and go, all right, where, where's she going with this? <laughs> and she said, if it was a chess match, you'd all have the same pieces. Wait a second. That never happens in basketball. Yeah, never. my hand is different than your hand. That's good. But my hand could beat your hand if I play it right. But in chess, in the statistics on it are crazy. If you start looking it up, you dive deep into it. And she, she, she inspired me to dive deep into that statement. The better player, the rank, like if you just look at the rankings, the better player wins like 95% of the time, especially if they get the first move. That's not true in basketball. So it's not a chess match. We don't have the same pieces. The other part about it is if I'm playing you in a chess match right now, I can physically see everything you're doing. <laughs> there's no secrets. Yeah. But when we're playing basketball, there's all kinds of hidden information. Mm. I don't know what you worked on the day before. You might come out in a box of one or a triangle in two or a rhombus, some other geographic shape. I, I swear, I swear a team played a rhombus and one on us one time. Um, but <laughs> um, the, the information's hidden. And, and, and it's not in chess. So, you know, I, I just think it's, I mean, it's said all the time. I have a, a, a commentator, Debbie Antonelli, who's one of the, the best commentators on the women's side. She and I have a little contest. We text each other every time we hear somebody. Oh, I love it. that term. So you'll, 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 you'll hear it now and you're going to go, oh, yeah, it's not a chess match. It's poker, man. So That's good. So for a high school coach, maybe like myself, where I'm the only full-time guy at Faith, my, my assistant coaches are part-time. I'm very thankful for any, any amount of time that they can give to our mm -hmm. players in our program, but I'm also careful never to overload them since this isn't their job. Yeah. Right. For me, I go home after a game and I'm statting, but with huddle, like you said, I could clip things quickly to mm -hmm. send them uh, besides just makes and misses of a player, which would to me seem lazy just mm -hmm. to send them that. What are some things that you would recommend that maybe, and it could be, system or style based, but what would you send players? 
Yeah, and I think it varies what yeah. you're going to expect. You know, we always say that you're either coaching it or tolerating it. It's what you're not going to tolerate at that point in time. A big thing for us, for me specifically, anytime I catch, uh, I always try to send them uh, five good, five bad, and five good. I'm going to sandwich it that way. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get about a, you know, two-to-one ratio, good to bad. The the uh, And on the, the, the ones in the middle, the ones that I want improvement on, you know, it's usually an opportunity where they didn't do something. Didn't. They, it's not that they can't. It's that they didn't. We try to drill everything down and explain it so well that once you know, once I've explained to you, this is what we want. The only two answers are you can't or you won't. So. I hope they come back with me and say, well, coach, it's really I just didn't. Okay, well, why didn't you then? Because nobody wants to say they can't do it. And if they're saying they won't do it, they're going to be in defiant. So they do want to come back to you. So I look for those didn't moments. You know you know, we want you to, you know, basket cut when you're at the top of the fence and we drive it at you. You should run a 45 cut, right? You know that. Yeah, coach. We've talked about it. We've done it a thousand times. We drilled it. So I say, well, why didn't you? You can't or you won't. And they don't want to ever answer that question. So I try to find five clips of that. Five can't or won't clips. And then we discuss them. And then what, what, what you get out of that is why they didn't do it. Well, yeah. I thought this or I was tired. Okay, well, then I need to get you a break before that happens next time. Fair enough. Nobody wants to say that one either. But it makes them think through that. Like, you can't just wait for I mean, in a team film session. You're just going to sit there. Nobody's going to say anything, and you go on to the next clip. But when it's me one-on-one, I would send – I wouldn't send more than five clips. I mean, if it came down to it, I'd send five good and then five ones that I want to be able to have a conversation with them about. But um, you can do it with – you know, go go to your tech class. I bet you can find somebody that would be willing for a, a couple of pieces of pizza and a team T-shirt to, to, to clip some stuff for you. You'll be shocked at how good people are, can be at things that know nothing about basketball. And that's a good yeah. nugget. That's a good nugget to yeah. to in, in enlist other people. Yeah, you know to help. Because I, I, I'm I'm still trying to get over being a control freak and not wanting to delegate or like uh, to just do it myself. But mm-hmm. that's a good nugget right there. There's there's a lot of people on your campus that are really really talented in areas. I've, some of the best projects that we've ever done as a team have come from somebody that never even seen a basketball game before. Mm. You know, they, they're a master at Excel and they were able to, to sort this. And uh, we had a, a student at Xavier when I was an assistant coach at Xavier. We used, we were big on lineup efficiencies. Uh, my head coach, I work for Kevin McGuff, who's at Ohio State now. And we just sat around one day talking, saying, man, I wish there was some way we could just stat which team group of five was our best five. I said, well, we can. It's just going to take a lot of work. I said, well, let me let me go to work on that. So we did. We enlisted a few people just from a statistics class, and they came in and wrote a little program up for us and were able to take our our game uh, call sheet that the announcers do into the game stats, and they just click and drag it. And now this guy runs a, a website that I think like 8,000 different programs, high school, colleges, pros use it. He got a job with Philadelphia 76ers uh, right out of I – mean, he was still in college because he had developed this program that did what we wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of efficiencies are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and it's point click done, you know, if you put the right information in there. So, you know, 
it's kind of going back to what we started out talking about. You can't be good at everything. You can't be great at everything, but pick out two or three things that you really care about that really drive success within your, your team and your program and, and be the best at those. Like I know every lineup that we have, how many minutes they played together, how many possessions they played together, the result of all those possessions. And to me, that's valuable because I can't explain how sometimes our best lineup is not made up of our five best players. But it's very rare that if we were to rank our best players one through five, that they are ever our best lineup. There's always a, there's always some player that moves the ball a little bit or screens the ball a little bit or cuts at the right time. And that lineup over the course of 100 possessions is plus 15 in this exact lineup with the, uh, that player's replacement in there, minus 15. Well, which one do you think I'm going to play more? And they're like, well, my kid, that one, I don't, I can't explain it to you. I'm just telling you that this is a fact. So enlist people, you, you'll be shocked what kind of results and um, uh, they, they will over deliver. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skills Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NAIA NJCAA and a growing number of NCAA coaches to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This four minute, 40 shot test can be taken free today on the Bology mobile app. Elevate your game. Free throws, threes, turnovers, big part of what you all do. And in a lot of, especially a lot of fast, I feel like fast basketball teams and that utilize space and, and pace and then uh, the three-point line, what role do analytics play in your coaching style? Um, I want them. I want to have them. Uh, I want to see them. Uh, I, I want them to be a tool, but I don't want to use them as crutch. You know, mm -hmm. those are that's not the, the last filter I run everything through. It's information, and I want the best forms of the information. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stats that I, I dismiss. Um, analytically speaking, but the, the lineup efficiencies is, is yeah. a big one to me. And everybody's like, well, how do you figure that? Well, you take what the score is when this team's in the game and you subtract the, the offense and the defense. It's not real comp. It's not an algorithm. It's easy math. Yeah. Um, and, and again, over the course of one game, doesn't mean anything. But over the course Patterns. of five, 10, 15. Yeah. yeah. And you're like going, and, and I really can't, and everybody, well, I can keep up with that in my head. No, you can't. No, there's so many permutations of that. There's not, a, uh, you know, outside of uh, Dustin Hoffman in a movie, you know, being able to keep up with it. There's not somebody. Unless you got Rain Man on your staff. Somebody, here. they're not keeping up with it. And and you can get clean. You'll be surprised how wrong you are. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, used, I would joke with staff a lot of times, who do you think had the best lineup efficiency? And they would always start guessing against what they really believed because they knew I was trying to trick them a lot of times. But, like, I, I want to have an analytic as a tool. Uh, I want it to be there. I want it to see if there are some things. I want people to challenge me on it. You know, it's, I try to surround myself with a bunch of people that disagree with me, and I want them coming in saying, Coach, have you looked at this? Have you, have you noticed this? And then I want them to stand behind it and believe in it. But um, I, I'm never going to make a, a decision solely based on an analytic. Um, it's still going to come back, back to that being one of the pieces of information that we use to arrive at it. We try to pre-decide as many things as we can before the game ever starts. You know, if if we get to a, a situation where we need to stop, who's our toughest five kids? You know, if we're on defense, it doesn't matter what position they are because we're not going to get the ball back anyway. Uh, we got to have a stop. 
you know, who's a, who's that type, who's that lineup tonight? Uh, you know, if we need a two, who's the best line? We need a three, who's the best line? We need to get the foul line, who's our best lineup? So try to pre-decide as many of those things you can based yeah. on analytics so you don't get caught up in uh, a high school coach up the road here. Greg White does a great uh, topic, clinic topic about pre-deciding things. And um, that's one of those things. I think you can save yourself a lot of um, poor decision-making uh, is by pre-deciding things that you've talked about with your staff over the, you know, when things aren't as emotional as they are in, in a timeout with three seconds to play in the state championship game. Uh, but I do think analytics are, are valuable. Uh, I think I think uh, dismissing them entirely is not wise. Is, is not wise. Uh, I don't think it's uh, – I think you've got to take them and make them work to the best that you can. But dismissing them totally. But also, I think it's, it's kind of the Goldilocks principle. You know, it's, it's got to be just right. And it's like everything. they got to be just the right amount. And But you got to find out what equals your team. I, I say this to players. It's another one of those signs it's you, not your players. Anybody that uses raw numbers in, in your game goals, to me, mm. that's you. Because you say, well, we're going to have less than 15 turnovers tonight. Okay, well, that's not a very good night if you're playing a team that you're only going to have 30 possessions against. What, what if you're playing a team that had 100 possessions? That's a good night. But you have this raw number up on this board in your locker room. Wow, so I'm sitting yeah. here, you know, I'm looking at it. And how do, you, how do you equate for that over the course of all these different styles of play? And what if I, every locker room I ever go in that has one of those, I look for this one game. And it's this one game when they got all their goals and they lost. Yeah. And you're like, how do you explain that to your team? How do you walk up in front of your team the next day and say, we spent $1,100 of our booster club money <laughs> on this. And it's right below just, the, just rip it off the wall. <laughs> yeah. It, it's right there below that thing that says defense wins championships. Oh it's, yes. It's, the worst not, statement ever. Defense finishes 11, you know, uh, but like, I'm like, you You just, you had a stat, you had this really cool stat board and it's great and it's awesome. And your team got every one of your team goals and you lost. That shouldn't be the case. If you got every one of your team goals, you should have won the game going away, but you've got the wrong goals. Kids will do, players will do what you're asking them to do. So be careful what you ask them. That's be careful good. what you're counting. And if it's not the right stuff, so that's where I go to analytics. I go back. We did a – now it's up to a 20-year study, but we went and we took the Sweet 16 teams in the women's basketball tournament and looked at the profile of their statistics, what they – what was good, what they were good in. And, and there were some obvious patterns, some exact patterns that indicated to the point for a while there, I could pretty much predict who was going to the Sweet 16 within a team or two. I'd get 14 out of 16 most every year based on their statistical profile going into the year. Hmm. Um, so we tried to tried to model some of those things. We were like, we've got to get better at getting to the free throw line. Yeah. Free throw rate is way above defense winning championships. You know, it just doesn't roll off the tongue quite as free throw rate wins championships. Put that on a t-shirt. So you don't see that on a bumper sticker a lot, you know, <laughs> and that's not it's just but free throw rate wins way more games than the team that had the best field goal percentage. It's, so anyway, that's another whole hour and a half if we want to. I know. Do it. I but, wish, Coach. If, but, I, I'm going to ask you right now when when you have more time if we could maybe go oh, around we, two. Because, we can go around two. Yeah, yeah, because there are some rabbit holes that I'd love to go down with you. But you're right. Keep going. But it's you know to me if you're 
if your analytics don't equal wins, you're, you're doing it wrong. So make sure your analytics are the things that play out in, in, on your team and your team schedule. And, and you've got to be flexible. Don't have this board up there that's got a rigid number that says maybe do percentages. Say, hey, I only want to turn it over 11% of the time that we have the ball. That's what we do. We've led the country. If you look at the nine years, the teams that we've been a part of, we're, we're like almost 400 fewer turnovers than anybody else. And it's because we count it. And it's because we emphasize it, because we coach it, because we teach to it. But it's also how we get more shots than everybody. Yeah. We're next to last in rebounding. Like we're our rebounding numbers, if you look them up, everybody goes, oh, y'all are terrible. We are. But I always ask those people, okay, why do you want to be a good rebounding team? And they always say, well, we want to get more shots than our opponents. Okay. Uh, let, here's our stat sheets from the last nine years. Knock yourself out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you $1,000 for every game we got outshot. If you'll give me $100 for every game we outshot our opponents, hmm. I'm going to win that. And they, nobody will take that bet. But you got to know why you're doing things. Yeah. You don't just assign this because, again, it looks good on a T-shirt or you heard it at a clinic or, you know, it, that's the other curse of the clinic. The only people that get invited to speak at clinics usually are people that won their national championships and won state championships. And they probably have some good players too. They had great players, I guarantee you, and everybody <laughs> tries to emulate what they did. Right. Hey, I listen, the, the year we went to the Final Four and I had Kelsey Plum, I could have spoke, been invited to speak at any state clinic. The next year when we got down here, we went 3-13 and 13 in the league. and 13. I had a really cool summer. I got to play a lot of golf. My handicap dropped. I got, I went, you know, I didn't get invited anywhere. It was the same stuff. It was the same philosophy, the same systems, the same everything. But, you know, you've got to be careful. You've got to be – it's got to be yours, and it's got to be thought through. Uh, Gary Baradinchek, anybody that listens to Gary V podcast, you know, he says, I don't want to have a conversation with anybody who hasn't done 40 hours of research on a topic. Wow. So, like, I'll talk to some people about some things, but I don't really want to get into a deep conversation unless I know you've done 40 hours of research. And it's a really good, bar you know, barometer. Uh, we can talk about the fringes of it, but we can't get into a deep conversation about why defense doesn't win championships unless you've studied it. If you've done 40 hours on that and you still believe that it's the case, then let's have a conversation. But I don't think you studied for 40 hours on it and still landed on that being the case. Yeah. I just don't believe it. So you got to be careful. I think it's up to every individual coach to coach the team they have. Coach Cal has got a, a he's got that on his, right by his door at Kentucky. It says, "Coach your team." So anybody listening today, if you don't like, don't do it. That's fine, but it should challenge you. I mean, every time I hear somebody say something that's counter to what I believe, man, I research it. I'm like, man, what if I'm wrong? What if they're right? You know, Chuck Klosterman wrote a great book called "What If You're Wrong." And what if you are wrong? What if, what if gravity doesn't work like we thought, think it does? About every 300 years, we've changed that philosophy. You know, is it coming again? Or, or what if we're wrong? So I think that all the time. What, what if playing fast isn't the right way to do it? What if trying to shoot threes isn't the right way to do it? Uh, I want to constantly be challenged by the people around me um, and, and anybody that I, I want to have those conversations so that there's not any holes in that. I think you got to drill that down to every single thing that you're willing to make. You talked about it earlier. You said this. You said you write it down. Until you write it down, and then I'll add a, a layer to that, until you write it down and share it with somebody, you really don't have it. Like I ask people all the time, what's your offense philosophy? And they, oh, I can tell you. Well, send it to me. No, I don't have it written down. <laughs> well, then you don't have it yet. Yeah. Because you can always go back on it. 
Like if you if you ask me right now, coach, hey, I need uh, what's your green light philosophy? I can send you 20 pages via text right then. It's thought out. I wrote it down. It's been red teamed and yellow teamed and blue teamed and every other critique you can put to it, except grammatical. I, I'm terrible, terrible grammatically and I don't care. But you've got to be able to prove that stuff. There's got to be evidence of it. And until you write it down, you really don't have it. And you really haven't thought it through. And you, until you write it down and share it, I, I would tell you it's not really yours. It's somebody else's. And, and until you've got it to where you can instantaneously share it with somebody, it's probably not done yet. It's probably a work in progress, which is okay too. But don't tell me you got one. You mentioned having a young child right now. And I think a, a, something we all struggle with is we love – coaching and we love being with our players we love the time i don't like necessarily that the word the grind if it's if you enjoy it yeah, if you I love like it word. then it's it's i don't feel like i'm grinding ever i feel like it's just this is fun but what is that how do you balance you know coaching with that family life and giving them the attention that they need also i stopped trying to have balance i don't think it's possible to be um have excellence in either one of those things if you have a balance. I really don't, um, especially in basketball. Uh, if you're a basketball coach, um, you know, we choose to do it. I get it. But, man, we miss all the good holidays. Yeah. We go we go over both semesters of school. You know, whether you're high school or college, we got kids that got to be eligible both semesters. You're missing all the holidays that have majors that, you know, that Hobby Lobby puts out decorations for. Um so I stopped trying to have a balance and I started surrounding myself with people that can find the rhythm of a season. Okay. Like, you know, right now um, you can spend a little bit more time because we're not traveling as much. So I've got to take advantage of that time then. And it's never 50, 50. If you're going to have excellence, there's just, it's just not going to happen. So you surround yourself with people that get that and that value uh, quality over quantity. But if 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 you're if you're trying to, you know, and when and maybe it's just the form of the word, the balance is a bad word because that means 50-50. You know, balance means this. I just I don't think there's ever been people that have achieved excellence in any field that would probably tell you that they, they had a complete balance when it came to those things. So yeah, I mean, we we ask our players to sacrifice and yeah. to give everything. It would make sense that if we're trying to be the best that we could be or excellent, that we kind of have to do the same. Yeah, so stop, stop, stop beating yourself up over it's part of yeah. that too. You yeah. know that that came from talking to some people in sports uh, psychology and mental performance. You know, I think we all beat ourselves up over that. You know, I've, I've, I got a text since we've been here talking. You know, how close are you to coming home? And if I sit here and I beat myself up over that, then I'm gonna say I'm not gonna be as good for you on the next 25 or 30 minutes, however long we do this. Yeah. But instead, I say I'm still on you. Oh, cool. I can't wait to hear it. You find somebody in your in your world. And if they're not in your world, if they're not doing that, you got it wrong. And it's as hard as that is to say, then you've got to, you've got you as the coach have to do something. You know, and that's where I always tell everybody if, if you haven't read Five Languages of Love, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, and that's the book. Right. You've got to have that on that. your, you've yeah. got to have that on your shelf, man. That's, that has got to be number one because if you don't know how to give that love language to the people around you, and it's going to be different for every single person. My daughter, it's way different than my oldest son, my two youngest kids. As long as I get home in time to watch some Cocoa Melon, 
and, and, <laughs> and throws and throw the golf ball around and, and throw him some baseballs. He's two and the one year old, as long as I just see him before he falls asleep, it'll be a win. Nice. Um, but you stop beating yourself up over those moments when you can't be there all the time. Um, and try to strive. I think striving for as close to a balance as you can get. But really, I found when that uh, sports uh, the mental health person told me your your mental health is not going to be very good if you keep striving for that. Cause as many hours and the things, the requirements that that the job you've chosen to do, uh, you're, you're not you're not going to a you're not going to be doing it very long, and b you're not even going to be happy doing it while you're doing it. Right. I see all these coaches walking around all the time that are always just miserable. I'm like, your team's winning every game, man. Why are you not – if you can't enjoy it now, how miserable are you when you lose that one or two? So um, I say all the time, is if, if you can't get on that bus and tell whether we won or lost, if you can, if you get on that first step of that bus and I treat you differently whether we won or we lost, then stop getting on this bus. Yeah, it shouldn't be resulting. that way. Yeah, yeah you're resulting. That's an anti, a great anti-dude uh, topic, uh, but yeah. – um, if you're that way, I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons again. And if you're more importantly, the beating yourself up piece of that, not what it's the way that you internalize it internally, beat, you, you, you start to neglect one of the two, uh, and then you beat yourself up over it. And you're just compounding the effect. So, um, you know, you ask for a behavior or a technique on how it helps. And I think that it's a cliche, but, you know, be present. Like when I'm there, I'm there. Yeah. Like when I'm with them and I'm there, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in play mode. Uh, You're able you know, to disconnect. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and if I don't, if I have to reconnect, it's rare. Yeah. And they know, and they understand. And the, again, with, you know, uh, Mr. Recruits call the other night. Well, that was okay. Cause she knows I got a one-year-old and a two-year-old and the next day it was fine because they know that about me. If they don't know that about me, they don't trust that I would answer when I can. It could affect it. Mm-hmm. So, and if it does affect, if that recruit is mad about that, then they probably shouldn't come here, you know, that type of thing. So I think we've got to let go of that as coaches. I think you've got to be very, but again, if you write these things down and you share these things with everybody and everybody knows what they are, I think you you stand an opportunity to at least achieve that rhythm that we're talking about. You know, if you, if you try to talk to me about basketball during the summer, I'm not stiff arm you. You know, if I'm on the golf course, I want to talk about movies or something on Netflix or, you know, something other than what we're going to, you know, how's the team looking? I, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a month. You know, uh, have, you, have you seen that new Netflix series? I think you get some looks. You get some oh, looks yeah. from that. What do, you do mean you don't, what do you mean you don't know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I, that's an okay thing to say. Oh, Coach, thank thank you so much for sharing that. I think yeah, I think I just – uh got a little lighter from hearing that I, I bet there's some coaches that you know when, when they listen to this well that man maybe there's just one that yeah. needed to hear it and man yeah. what a cool what a cool thing so thank you for that yeah you bet yeah shared it it left there you know we talked about that at the beginning of this so i learned that somewhere and it left there and passed it on because i know it changed me it changed the way i approach things it changed uh, the happiness um, in coaching, the happiness and the in-betweens at home and all those things in between. I want to make sure I hit this because you've mentioned multiple books and that you early on that you read quite a bit. What are some habits that you have with reading? Is it just whenever you have the time, you grab something or because or, I just I'm always fascinated again with people's uh, successful coaches, leaders, daily habits. So what do you yeah. do there? I You know, I didn't ever read 
uh, until I was about 40. I, I was just against it. I was bad at it. I read at a poor comprehension level. Uh, I didn't retain anything. And I got embarrassed when I took a reading test to find out how um, uneducated I was. Uh, and I didn't want to stay that way. So I started reading one minute a day. I read one minute one day. And then the next minute I read two minutes. I got a little egg timer out. Now, every time you come in my office, I've got uh, hourglasses everywhere in my office. But I, I read one minute one day and two minutes the next and three the next. And I did that for 30 days uh, because I'd read. <laughs> that takes 31 days to make a habit, which I've learned now is not really the truth. But sure. it's a good myth. It takes what it takes. Yeah, it takes what it takes. Defense wins championships. Um, <laughs> so I started just building a habit of reading, finding the time, finding and then on day 31, I read 30 minutes for 30 straight days. And then I just read when I had time. And I increased my reading vocabulary by, um, I went from about, I got up to 964 words a minute at one point in time after being at 48 words a minute, which was below the eighth grade reading level. So as a 40 year old, but, um, you know, now I listen to podcasts, which I count as reading. And we have this argument all the time. Does that count? Does that count as reading? It counts. You know, books on tape, it counts. Yeah. You know, it counts as reading. But I still physically touch a book. I have a book in my backpack. I have a book by my bedside. I have a book in every bathroom. I'm reading multiple books at a time. I usually have one that I just stick with and I'm trying to read start to finish cover to cover. And it's usually something that's not even, you know, it's probably, you know, something, some, uh, I read a, a children's book about Muhammad Ali the other day because somebody had bought it for my son and I was fascinated by it. So I read it cover to cover, but I don't read very many books cover to cover, but uh, short chunks. Uh, I always try to have one handy in case I get a five or a 10 minute stretch, you know, where I can that 10 minutes in between landing and taking off on planes that, you know, five minutes before we uh, are, are headed out on the bus to do something. I like to have a book handy. If not, I try to have some podcasts queued up, uh, some books on tape to listen to. But, but you're okay with, you again, kind of like letting go and and, and taking uh, some of the pressure off yourself. You're okay with not finishing one when you start it. Oh no, there's a lot of books I I think look good. They get me because the cover's nice or the first the the, the jacket is really good. Um, and then I did that for about. I used to just go to Barnes and Noble and buy everything that came out that day or Amazon. When I lived in Seattle, I'd buy every book that came out, and and that was a waste of money. It was a waste of time. And then there's this app called Blinkist that's out there that'll give you about a 15 minute little short synopsis of each book. And it makes me now, if, if I like that 15 minutes, I'll go buy the book and get deeper into it. But uh, you have to read everything. I don't think you can just pick one book a year and that be the story you believe um, and, and you go with it. Um, so you have to read a lot. You have to expand. It is without a doubt. I will, uh, you know, I'll, I will, uh, I'll die on this hill that at our age, uh, reading is the only way you can get closer to people that are smarter than you, hmm. uh, that you might never meet in person, uh, that you might expand some things. You're not going to meet that many new people in your life at our age. You're not going to hear that many new stories uh, if you're just constantly doing exactly what you've been doing uh, for the previous year. So uh, meet the people you meet, the books you read, and the podcasts you listen to, and uh, what you take from that, the things you write down and, and put into application. Uh, for a number of years there, I was really just, all I did was I was, uh, I read every opportunity I got. And then I met Buzz Williams and he said, well, you need to start writing stuff down too. You need to read for every book you read. You need to write a book's worth of stuff. And that was a brilliant piece of advice because you put those things into 
application. You don't you're not just reading about them. Now you're going to do some stuff too. So I haven't we, read as many books. Explain that a little bit. Explain yeah. that a little bit. Well, if all you do is read a book and you get done with it, you put it down, you go to the next book. Yeah. You know, because you want to say, well, I read five books this month. That's cool to tweet out about or whatever, and, you know, humble brag or whatever that is called. But um, if you don't take some notes on that book or write how that book applies to your situation, your team, your whatever, or it, a lot of times it just wormholes down someplace else. Um, so, you know, a piece of notebook paper and a pencil or a, a, a good pen sitting there. When you finish a book, the next thing I, I try to do for the next day or two is, is write some things down that I will remember about that book or that book inspired me to put into application and trying to find balance in my professional and uh, off the court life or with my teams or with just anything. Um, if you don't take time to write it down, if you just move to that next book, you do what that next book says. And that becomes the next big thing. You know, I think, I think John Gordon is one of the, the most popular writers of the last 15 or 20 years. But if I hear about a team reading Energy Bus right now, they're on my list. I'm going to try to play them next year. Because that book's been out for a while now. They should be reading his newer books. Yeah, They're just now reading Energy Bus. Man, they're five books behind, eight books behind, ten books behind. So uh, the danger of one story is very picking out. I, people always will ask, well, hey, I want my team to read a book. What book would you recommend? I don't, I don't have a very good answer usually. Uh, they need to read multiple, have each person read something they want to read and then share it with everybody. It, multiply your experiences. So. I do think reading though, or listening to podcasts, learning, it's its just another, reading's another form of learning. If you're so set in your ways that you're so stubborn that you're just not willing to learn anything, well, let's play November 15th next year if we, if we could, you know, that's, that's where I land with that. We got a good list going of things, uh, reasons why you'll, you'll play pick it. a team. Yeah. You that's got right. more that you want to rattle off? Uh, I, I, I'll keep them to me and you. We'll share those uh, privately. I don't want to get too many of them out there because <laughs> your, your opponents. It, I mean, it hits, just yeah. Hypothetically, yeah, hits. if they listen to this, they go, "Hey, yeah, yeah I do all these things, man. Yeah, we, I just we just ran the star drill today, and we just finished the. Yeah, I, it's I know there's there's a few more that we have on the list that are they're fun to come up with, but. Um, you know, I've lost some of those teams too. So it's not an exact science. Uh, I me. got, I got one I'll share. Can I share with yeah. you? Uh, yeah. Uh, and this is more at the high school level because okay. I mean, we only have 15 minutes to warm up. Right. Defensive drills and warm ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good it's, one. Every time I, every time we see it, no, I'm, char, slide some on the of my buddies, yeah, yeah assistant so. coach out there pounding the ball, slide, slide, oh, while mm. my guys are down there just draining threes. Right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I always lead over to my assistant and be like, when you, we got a chance, coach, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. what, and on the, on the flip side of it, people that put, that run actions that they're going to run in the game, like, there's a couple of times we didn't have time to scout. And I'm like, coach, I got what they're going to be. They're going to be running a bunch of this. Yeah, be prepared. Uh, they be just prepared. Spent, they yeah. just spent 40% of their warm-up time doing this. Yeah. yeah, we better be ready for, you know, a woo cut. I learned a woo cut meant they were going backdoor and it saved us six points because every time we heard woo, I knew it was going to be a, a backdoor cut. So, um, now that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, anybody that does defensive slides and uh, – Don't and do it. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. What's one rule change that you'd love to see and why? Um, nobody foul out. I, I think, I think we're what's, the only, yeah, what's the point? 
what's the point of taking some of the best players off the floor when the 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 worst pen to me the worst penalty is putting your opponent on the free throw line that's the yeah. worst thing make it very penalized everybody's like well what if the kids got eight fouls okay on their fifth foul that's this on their sixth foul it's two shots in the ball on the seventh foul it's three shots in the ball whatever you want to penalize me however you want but still let me play who I want to play you know we're the only sport where you can I mean unless you get a you know, two targeting fouls. Yeah, you know, red card or something. Red like that. card. Yeah. Or yeah. You do something egregious. You, you, you know, you you cross the line. But if I just slap you on the arm or hand check you, the, the beautiful thing I think that we would gain if we would do that too would take all the pressure off the refs. Yep. I wouldn't care as much anymore. Sure. You know, I, now I care. If That's you, just, but anytime you hear, okay, Coach Pet, Coach Pet Peeve is a coach yeah. getting upset with fouls three, four, or five, but. Not one, two, not three, talking about yeah. one, two, or three at all. Yeah, they're all the same value. Yeah, and I think it would take the pressure off officials. I think it would take, I, I think it take the animosity away. I think it would take some of their ability to control games away. Put it more. I think coaches would feel less paranoid yeah. about people trying to manipulate the outcome of a game because it still wouldn't be as penalizing, you know. I, and and the other part for me in, in women's basketball is we don't have the depth of talent that yeah. there is in some sports. And if my two best players get in foul trouble, that's really penalizing. Yeah, you're different. Yeah, you're different. You're way Most, different. Yeah. yeah, you're way different. And, um, you know, fans come out to see it, you know, and all of a sudden that kid, they, they didn't play that much. Yeah. You know, so I wish we would change that to where we could find a way to to to, to help with – um, still make it very penalizing if, if somebody fouls beyond five or six or whatever number we want to randomly arbitrarily land on. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see that. Yeah. Seven. What do you mean? Seven? Yeah, whatever. yeah. I don't know. That's where we're at. But I, I, and then I just think we ought to, you know, kind of uniform. We ought to have a shot clock. I mean, I, I go to high schools, clinics across the country and coach that question's coming. Yeah. That, you that know, it's, coming. You got to have the shot clock, or your it's other. Do you teach half your English book? Do you teach half your science book? Do you teach a third of your history books, or do you teach the whole thing? It's you're not preparing them. It's not the full game. We need a shot clock. Don't tell me it's too expensive. Don't tell me you can't survive somebody to run it. Here's my argument, okay? And I live here. I was raised here. I will die here. If Arkansas can do it, so can your state. That's that's the only argument you need. Did you hear that, Texas? Come on I, now. I said it at TABC. If we can do it, you can do it. You know, and then you may, <laughs> if you can find the money, uh, you know. So I, I just think we got to have the shot clock, you know, because it's a different game, man. It's a different game. Arkansas is going to it. Every classification all the way down to, you know, eight-man people that play eight-man football are going to have a shot clock at their, at their team, and I just applauded our state for it. As a result, I'm going to have to do a clinic on Sunday about preparing for the shot clock. Because there's a lot of things you have to think about, man. There's no need. You know, somebody asked me the other day for a continuity offense. I said, are you moving out of state? Yeah. And they were like, what are you talking about? I said, you're not going to have time to run a continuity offense. How many offense. ball reversals can you do? I mean, in, I, I mean you're not going to have time anymore. Seconds. And then I mean, dawned on them. They were like, oh, my gosh, you're right. You're not going to have continuity Skill anymore. work. Well, the importance of skill work will skyrocket. Skyrocket. The ability to to take away joysticking and, and, and players better be able to – recognize advantages and either cash in or transfer advantages it's yep. yeah no it's um 
I, I think it just changes the game. So I wish we would would get a uniform shot clock, the fewest number possible. Yeah. Again, I spent a lot of the summer watching three v three, which is a twelve second shot clock, and it flat. And it's so entertaining. It's so entertaining. Um, their skill level, their passing ability, their ability to create shots. And now they have a little more space to work with in three on three, and I get that. And you don't have to run the length of the floor, but you talk about entertainment value. Yeah. Uh, I stayed and watched uh, countries I didn't even realize were countries anymore because there's some of the Soviet Union that broke up. I'm still not sure where those, but I was, I was fascinated watching the game of basketball being played by people that speak so many different languages that believe you should play it so many different ways, being able to compete head to head and it'd be enjoyable to watch. Um, so I, I think we need to uniform the game as much as we can from, um, you know, men's and women's to high school, college, professional, FIBA. Just let's get on the same page. I wouldn't mind seeing the court get a little wider. Mm. Um, you know, I'm against the lowering of the goals. Everybody, you know, that was a big thing in women's basketball. Everybody wanted the oh, goals wow. to be. Yeah, I never heard so that. So we, oh, you didn't? Well, no. oh, yeah, there was a big push to lower the goals so we could dunk, you know, and um, that'd be more entertaining and get more people in. Just make the basket bigger. If you want more offense, just simply make the basket bigger. You know, that wouldn't cost anybody any money except for a rim. But a, a wider court would be – you go to an NBA game now, the, just the sheer size You're right. of, the, of the human beings that are able to maneuver at the size. And, you know, it, it, I've got – I can put four of my players uh, fingertip to fingertip and go sideline to sideline now. We've got some some length on this team. We've never had that before. It used to take eight of them. Now it just takes the, the four of them. But <laughs> that speaks more to the, the size of our team. But, like, you know, you have you ever seen Shaq? in person and then you see Shaq standing next to Yao Ming and you realize how small Shaq is those are some massive bodies yeah you know that I think the game could be better if, if we widen the court a little bit don't lengthen it widen it maybe a little bit if we had to but you know that cost a lot of money so what do you yeah. think about a def defensive three seconds uh, going it. down yeah all for it they have it you know they have it in some leagues I think it's great because that's what Luca Luca made a comment yeah. about uh where what what league is it easier to score in? And he said, "Oh, the yeah. NBA by far. They've got." He said, "They have the better players and athletes, but it's so much harder to to score in Europe because that yeah. dude's sitting in there. We can make the game more fun by yes. opening up that paint a little bit." Yeah, I, I think there's lots of things. You know, I I love the Elam ending. Um, I love the Elam ending in in the various levels that are playing that now. I saw where the G League is going to go to play in that in their leagues. Um, I think anything we can do to make the game shorter and more enjoyable. Uh, if you haven't watched Banana Land on uh, ESPN Plus, it's about the Savannah Bananas, the baseball team. No. That's, complete, that's completely oh. changed the rules of baseball. Okay. You've seen I, the guy pitches on stilts, and they got yeah. a guy that hits with his bat on fire. And if a, if a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. You know, it's just they've just gone crazy. And now they've sold season tickets out. There's a thousand people on the waiting list for this, and I can't wait. They're starting to tour. They're going to play major league parks. I would, and I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball. It was my first sport. I loved. But I think there's some things we could do differently that would be cool. That's good. So I, I, you know, I'm not saying we have to do that at the at all levels, but I think the fact that we're just, you know, kind of sometimes bound to doing what has been done in the past uh, might not be what's the best for the the future but shot clock definitely i think is an easy one for us to all 
uh, get on board with. Going back to fouls, I because I, now you, you've got me thinking about all these reasons to schedule teams. Or <laughs> uh, uh, another thing is is if I know that that coach is going to take his best player out or any player out when they get two fouls in the first half, like there's some unwritten rule that you have to do that. Where when Coach yeah. K in an in a interview said, "I let my guys play with two fouls, three fouls, even in the first half." especially early on in the year, so they learn how to play with it. And he even made the comment, I don't think there's a rule that says you have to. I stopped doing that. So now players get their second foul. They don't come over looking to me that we continue to play. And and it's amazing. They learn mm-hmm. to play cleaner on defense. They learn to play with it. Uh, uh, the kid that did the research paper on that was the uh, – he was Kevin McGuff's assist, uh, manager at Ohio State. It was a it was a class project he did at Ohio State. He studied Carl Anthony Towns. This uh, was his his test study, and then he branched out and did every player in the NBA, and found out that teams lose more games by taking your player out with two fouls uh, than you win. You know, uh, if you would have played him, he he's got it proven. I mean, it's a it's a fact. There is it's, so many things that fact. mentally, mentally, yeah. what happens to them? Mentally, what happens to your team? The, the the lack of rhythm and and how many times how many trips are you going down and with a group that you have not spent time with in Never. practice it, it, there's so many factors to Dude. it but yet second foul you know what all right this, this this goes back this is there's studies of this all through you can research it it's the same reason that in soccer on penalty kicks the person doesn't kick it right down the middle every time they should. Because if you go back and you research penalty kicks, they have to guess. The, the keepers have to make a guess. Yeah. Left, They're really right, not low. reading it as much as just guessing right. That, that's right. But if they would just kick it right down, very rarely does the keeper just stand there. <laughs> Ever. You go back and look. Read there. There's a great research paper out there. But the, the, the psychology behind it is you don't want to be that coach that told your player to kick it down the middle. Because then you're going to be, then you're going to look like, well, we weren't even trying. Same thing with that. You don't want to be the coach that gets a kid fouled out in the first or, or gets a kid a fourth foul. You got to be okay with that. Because, the, again, the overwhelming evidence, and I don't know that they've done it at the high school level in your conference. I've done it in the SEC on the women's side. We won a game against Kansas State two years ago because Chelsea Dungey got her second foul about a minute 15 into the game. I didn't hesitate. She played, she played, ended up playing 39 minutes and then 38 points. If I'd taken her out for the next 18 minutes and yeah. 37 seconds of the first, you think we'd have even been in that game? Yeah. No chance. Oh, we, no chance. She, she, she only has two fouls, but we're down 20. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the math that this kid did, most of the times when a kid gets that, they get that second foul, they would end up with three. Go yeah. back and look at that. Like, the, how many fouls do they end up with? So we we get a we get a sense of how many fouls per minute like our kids normally have. Mm. And, and I'm not telling you there's not a time. Like, if they're frustrated, maybe you take them out. But I, I just don't think you set them on the bench for the entire time. Maybe you get them out, and remind them whatever you want to do. But no, there's there's lots of things like that. That's the two for ones with the shot clocks. And there's overwhelming evidence for for you to play a certain way, but you don't want to because you don't want to be that coach. Right, that, kick, that kicks it right down the middle, and the keeper actually saves it, and you lose whatever. You don't want to be that coach, so we all avoid we all avoid the you know the uh, the the Monday morning quarterback being able to second guess us on Twitter, and so 
delete your Twitter account and stop worrying about what somebody that doesn't that didn't do their forty hours of research uh, has to say about you and your coaching abilities. But um, it's a thing, man. There's there's a lot of good resources out there. There's so many studies yeah. that might not apply again to your team and your league, but man, it's worth researching. It's worth having a conversation with somebody about it in between clinic sessions, uh, on a Zoom, on a call when you're driving and you're bored and, you know, you don't want to listen to a podcast and you want to talk to, you know, these, these are conversations you can pre-decide things on. That's a definite pre-decision. Am I going to take XYZ yeah. player out if they get two fouls under this amount of time? Yep. You know, what am I going to do? And, and pre-decide that. Don't don't make that decision when it happens. Have it pre-decided. Yeah. Um, some kids, you're going to have to. Other kids, you might not. So another thing you can pre-decide um, when you're not, in the stresses of a of a close ball game, especially early on in the year, instead of rescuing them, pulling that you know, saving them from a, a disaster, let them fail. What what's the worst thing if if your best player gets four fouls in the first half or fouls out early in the third? It probably is going to be the last time that happens. Oh, yeah. It's one. Of, it's going to be one of the best learning tools that you have. Hey, you, you're you're a little handsy right now. Mm-hmm. Let's remember, or don't even have to say it. So I, I just, I, I, I like that type of thinking. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoe 360, the future of basketball is here. There's a there's a coach around my area that, that just retired after 30 years at Birdville High School, Coach Fitch. I was, I was talking with him and I asked him the culture question. Oh. And he said, you know what? He's like, that word, uh, tw- 15, 20 years ago, we didn't, we didn't use that word. It was just, it's just how we show up and what we do every day. So I, I like thinking of culture that way, not as a buzzword. So right. not without going into culture, what are the, and you, I think you talked about the four T's a little bit ago, yeah. but what are the four stand or the standards and pillars of your program? Well, standards for us are different, but the pillars, okay. we always use trust, talent, time, and then we've added tolerance uh, for a few years ago. We used to just have three. We kind of had a three-legged stool. Um, it was when we were at Washington, but then, uh, you know, what we all went through with COVID, what we went through with some of the uh, racial tension that was happening across our country, our kids came to me and said, Coach, are you cool if we had another T word? And it was tolerance. And it's been awesome for us. It's been very good in our program. Those would be the things, you know, I'd say are the pillars. Standards-wise, um, you know, we, we got away from goals a number of years ago. Uh, we're not a goal-driven team. We're standards-driven. So our, our standards are, you know, their behaviors, acceptable behaviors within our program, uh, in the classroom, in the training room, on the school bus, on the team airplane, in the hotel, the lobby, uh, you know, in the common areas in our practice gym, in your dorm room. We've got about 35 areas that we, we, we talk about and we list specific behaviors that uh, are um, – we hold each other accountable for. We're not going to list it if we're not going to be willing to hold each other accountable to it. And those behaviors become our rule book. You know, if, we, if we're if we not following them when we're outside of that. And then 
how closely we adhere to those behaviors that we set determines the goals that we achieve. You know, you won't see when the SEC championship written on a board around here anywhere, you'll see, hey, focus on these standards for the next uh, 27 weeks, and we got a chance to do that. Um, we learned that valuable lesson at Washington when we were – I was a goals guy, man. I, I'd, I'd read every book on goals, keep it simple, keep it measurable, keep it, you know, keep it attainable, keep it stretched. I'd read all those stories about goals, and we had them, and the goal was to make the NCAA tournament because it hadn't happened there in a long time, and we did. And we got to the NCAA tournament, and our we do a press conference with our upperclassmen, and then all three of them looked at each other saying how excited they were to be there. And we had reached our goal, you know, of getting Washington back to the NCAA tournament. Now we're just going to let it go and see what happens. And Plum was a freshman on that team, and I walked by her, and I said, we're getting ready to get drilled. Just get ready. We're going to get drilled this year, but use this for next year when we stop doing goals. Because I was fed up with it. it. That limited us. Yeah. Goals can limit you. Because if you reach them, what next? It's You can't just say, add something to it at the end. So that next year with her as a sophomore, you know, we changed those, we changed those standards to standards. And that's the year we went to the final four because we didn't have, we didn't have anything to, to, to limit us. Uh, our goal would have probably been to go to the Sweet 16. And once we got there, we probably would have lost. So uh, staying focused on what our standards are would, would, would be very big. But we, we come back to trust. If you, if you only give me one word, that's the one I would love to have. It means a lot of different things. But when you, when you drill it down to that 10-word West Wing answer, it's what allows us from, to not have to be perfect. Yeah. If I trust you and you trust me, man, we can make mistakes and we can go through failures. But if I don't trust you, you pretty much got to be close to perfect because I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to believe in what you're uh, doing or trying to get accomplished or what you say. So that, that'd that be the first and the foremost thing we strive for. And uh, if you have that, then you can go the next word down. But um, those continue to be uh, things that have been pretty consistent in our programs. Um, I think, you know, you use the word culture. And I got away from that word a long time ago too, because it's got so many definitions, you know. But I do, I do believe, I do agree with what that coach said. It's what it feels like to be a part of your program. Well, that's, your pet peeves. I mean, your pet peeves start that's to a culture. establish that too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, that's what it feels like. Yeah, uh, and then our identity is what it looks like. And how you show up every day. Yeah, yeah, and 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 as long as you have a definition for it, but like, and and you and you're then. Not only do you have a definition for it, but then your your behaviors are in alignment. We we say that to our players all the time. You know, like what what do you want to get out of basketball? And they got this real long list of things they want to do and become, and probably really are goals. And I'm like, well, man, your behaviors list doesn't look anything like that. Mm -hmm. Your behaviors list looks like this. But we do that as coaches too. We have this, you know, we have this T-shirt printed up that says, you know, state tournament bound or. Defend the title or unfinished business is a good one. I've seen that one a ton. Un unfinished that's a, business. That's a yeah. that's a good bingo game. Like you got you got yeah. uh, you got yeah. AAU bingo cards. You should do T-shirt bingo cards. That's uh, a good one. We've got it. Believe me, we got it. It's uh, it's there. But you know those those all work. But you everything all your systems in have to align with that. Yeah. And I see coaches all the time that are out of alignment with that. We when we go around to to evaluate during this time of the year, we watch a lot of practices. And, you know, I see people doing 
you know, they're denying that pass to the wing and, and they're out there up the line on the line and they're, you know, talking and they're doing all that. And then I go watch a game the next time and they're not even playing man and they're certainly not denying. And I'm like, but they spent 30 minutes on yeah. that practice that day and uh, doing all Clarity. that. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, productivity over activity. And mm. so, but they're out of the, it all goes back to being out of alignment. If, if I could have one thing, you know, gift every coach. Uh, one thing would be to keep your program aligned. Uh, do all of your things align with each other? Like, don't just say something to say it. Does it align with everything else that you're doing? Um, if, it, if it, I think we all, I know me, I'll drive tire, I'll drive my car until the tires blow out. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving on bald tires a lot. Uh, I'll drive the gas tank down to its fumes. Uh, we, I always run out of a wiper fluid. I've, I can't remember ever going in and not need to fill up because the wiper fluid was was still working. Um, uh, you know, if 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 your car gets out of alignment, the second it starts pulling, you got to take it in because it's a pain to drive. You know, the other things you can get by because you're not doing, but if, if your program gets out of alignment, you lose credibility with your your staff, you lose credibility with your mm. the people up your chain, your administrators, whoever's deciding whether you get to be the coach there again, uh, certainly with your players. So I just, uh, you know, I'm always constantly checking alignment. Hey, I, I love that idea you're bringing in from the clinic you went to this summer or the podcast you listened to, but does it fit us? And where, how does it align? How does, where does that go? which one of these buckets does this go into and, and how do you plan on implementing it? And if it's a great idea, we add it, you know, if it fits us, we add it. But uh, I, I mean, Twitter is such a great resource for some things and mm. it's so terrible for so many other things. Uh, but uh, you know, there's, there, there's people that put 50 inbounds plays out there and I, I get people say, Hey, have you seen this inbound play? Yeah, I saw it. It's great. We're not going to put it in because it doesn't fit how we, it doesn't fit our personnel. It doesn't fit my chess pieces. You know, uh, the chess pieces that I have or the five poker cards I have, I don't have that. I don't have that that queen of clubs. Uh, so I think seeing it all, I think, you know, deciding, challenging yourself. But then the, the secret sauce is picking what you can teach, what you can um, make sure that you're holding people accountable for. If, like it, for me. I don't mind a quiet gym. I don't mind. I don't, I don't have to have this constant steady buzz. I don't have to have kids echo when I say, you know, star drill. I don't have to have everybody yell star drill yeah, back. Who's to that me. for anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. But and it's fine to do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ridiculing people that do it. I get it, but like it's not big for me. Yeah. I don't care. That's not me. I, I don't have to have all eyes on me when I'm talking. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of body language experts out there that will tell you that a kid averting their eyes from you doesn't necessarily mean they're not paying attention to you. Hmm. Uh, and, and a kid, you know, leaning back in their chair, covering that doesn't mean they're disengaged. And so you, you got to just what matters to you. There's a lot of uh, research out there, but I do think if you peel back the layers on people that are happy in their lives, that have that like their jobs, that have had some level of excellence or success. I think you ultimately come back and you find people that were very, very, there's a lot of clarity uh, in their clutter. I'm very cluttered. It's okay to be cluttered, but then there's got to be some clarity to that. Um, that's where the, the common thing, um, when you read these books, 
Tim Ferriss has a lot of these great captain, you know, captain's code, all these different books, these uh, tools of tools, tools uh, of Titans, tools of Titans. Love it, man. A great book. It's all, they're all very, very different, but there's some similarities. Yeah. There, come, there's a stream. Yeah. That, there's, that there, there, it definitely comes back to it. And, you know, talking to goats is another great book that's out there. Captain's class is another, there's so many different ways to go in about doing it. But when you peel it all back, you've got somebody that was, that was, that can simply explain it between the first and the second floor on an elevator. They can probably hand it to you on, you know, an individual note card. It doesn't take volumes. They've got the volumes. You know, if we go across the hall, I got volumes above it. I can also give it to you on a note card. Um, and I can tell you about it from uh, the first floor to the second floor. And that takes time to get there. But to me, those are things when you peel back those, the businesses, the, uh, the military leaders, the the coaches, the the good mothers, fathers, the political leaders. I'm not, I haven't studied enough politicians. It's one one of those frontiers I haven't crossed into yet. But I'm sure that our successful politicians probably had a very clear message. Yeah, it was very concise. They stuck to it. They were consistent with you know they were in alignment. Uh, they knew when to deviate and shift. You know, you've got some vulnerability, you've got some adaptability, but you got to know when to shift between those things. Um, so constantly learn. That's the one thing I would say. They're, they're almost all the people at the top of those lists have, have become lifelong learners. They, they want to keep learning. They're always afraid that what if they're doing is wrong. Uh, they want to be challenged. Uh, and um, I think there's some common thread that runs between that and what we do as coaches. Coach, there's so much to unpack there. So much gold, <laughs> so uh, much. But, you know, I uh, thought uh, as a growing up as a player, I, I had a coach that encouraged me to write down goals, but they uh -huh. were in a way, it, it, I think he was teaching me about being process-based without realizing it because they were small. They went in order. There are things that I could achieve and and then ultimately to what I, I said I wanted, which to be a college basketball player. And then you go and you read, you know, uh, uh, Medcalf, uh, Medcalf's book, uh, uh, Burn Your Goals. And it just completely throws like everything I ever thought just out the window. And, and, but then, one. you know, in DFW here, uh, Jason Garrett is not very popular or liked, especially by the media, because every stinking interview was well you know we're going to focus on the process he would just not even talk about so it's but but that's that's kind of what you're you're talking about with yeah. instead of the national champ like no crap the national championship is what we're what we want to see happen if not if we're not competitive enough to want that then what are we doing but how are we actually day by day steps of showing up that are going to allow us to put great bricks in the wall but so i Great, great, great nuggets from you there, Coach. Well, I hope, you know, like, again, it's like we talked about. You can't take just everything and immediately apply it. you got to sift through, find out what's in alignment with your program, uh, study it, make it yours. Uh, if you want more on it, uh, you can, you know, if you want to put a link or share my link. We've got my assistant, like I said, does an amazing job with our YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, jump on there, raise your back. It is incredible. Put, I mean, she puts <laughs> – she puts, uh, she gets me down there and makes me uh, get in front of that video camera. But it, it just, it forces me to to think it through and, and make it presentable and uh, then share it back out there. But anything, I can promise you anything that we've said today, 
I've done 40 hours on. I, I wouldn't get on here and talk about something that I haven't spent 40 hours putting on paper and yeah. thinking through and researching. And, um, you know, if, if you would have asked me a question that I hadn't done 40 hours on, I'd probably said, you know, what? I don't really know. I don't have a good answer for you on that one yet. I can, I can tell you what my, you know, my, my, my thoughts are, but I yeah. wouldn't, I would put any stock in this one. I think it's important with players too, is being okay with saying that you're not sure you don't know that we don't, yeah, actually, I don't we don't have don't all the answers Yeah, to, to, to try to, one, that's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves to think that we have to know everything. Can't know everything. No, there's it. And it's, that's that being perfect, you know, striving to be imperfect, man, you're, you're setting yourself up for a, a, a long, long life. Yeah. But I, I think just, um, you know, continuing to, uh, be challenged is the key, you know, finding the people that will challenge you. If you don't have a, you know, you, you mentioned having a small staff, but you've got to have a small circle of friends that you're calling that, you know, aren't always in agreement with you. Uh, they don't have to be disagreeable. You don't have to get in fights and arguments and, but a good healthy debate, you know, these kids, we don't, they don't have great debates anymore. We, we talked about this with our team. You get hurt too quick. Sure they do. And they won't have debates because what happens is, they just turn to the internet to try to find the answer. Like, hey, who's the greatest ball handler of all time? We used to have great debates about that. They're not, they're going to go, let me pull it up. And well, this list says this, and that's what we believe. Um, you know, we, what we were talking about was there's no such thing as misheard lyrics anymore. When I was growing up, there were, we made up words to songs because <laughs> we didn't know what they were saying, but you couldn't look them up. You couldn't yeah. grab your phone and shazam it and go, Oh, that's what they say. You had you had to hope that if the DV, the CD came out that it had liner notes in it, that it had the words in it to even know for sure. Um, but there's just so many great debates that have been ruined by the information age. And but I, I think we've also got to embrace that. Uh, there's so much information out there that we can. These there's podcasts like this that uh, you can spend an hour drive. You know, I don't know how long it's been. we've been talking for about two almost hours. two hours, coach. <laughs> block, block it into a couple of them, but maybe, maybe somebody's got a long drive, you know, we'll be driving yeah. out of that area for the football game later on. Maybe somebody can pop it in or listen to it in increments, but sure. Um, you know, I, I, there's so many valuable free resources out there. There's so many YouTube channels for people that have spent a lot of time to, um uh, accumulate and, and group together actions that work for a specific style of play or a specific makeup a specific poker hand of players you know uh, nice that's usage. something well we've we've all we've, we've i've got an assistant working on that now plays that work for this particular lineup this particular poker hand if you've got a big and two shooters what if you got a big and three shooters or a big and four shooters you're going to win you know like what actions work for specific uh, team makeups that's valuable information to me and that's a way to sort it and group it so that's what we can do as coaches now I, I don't have to go on and diagram all these pages you can go on the internet you can find them but now take them and put them in piles and say man this play would work with this particular type of lineup yeah. this play is going to work for anybody you know but as a high school coach I needed some plays that worked for my superintendent's kids you know I needed a play that was going to get my booster club Little president. <laughs> uh, yeah, I needed to play for my booster club president to uh, daughter to get some buckets, and that wasn't something Coach Self was talking about at the clinic I went to in Vegas that summer at the Nike clinic uh, that he was teaching Kansas break with. Well, they could have run flag. They probably could have run anything in one. That's right. But here I am with a high school team trying to run Kansas break without 
you know, Danny Manning. Oh, that wasn't very smart on my part. So um, I, I think that's what makes our game so great is that you can win with a 7-2 offsuit, unsuited, uh, and you can beat pocket aces sometimes, man. It just yeah. that's why that's why I like uh, that's why I'm not good probably good at chess because uh, it, it's it's not going to end it well for me. But um, I think our game's changing. I think it's constantly uh, things we can do uh, keep it fun. Uh, the kids stay the same age for me. You know that's the hard part. I keep getting a year older, and they keep staying the same <laughs> age. The speed round. So so many yep. coaches get to. They watch you in clinics or they watch your videos, but the speed round, we're going to get to know you even better. All right, go. All right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. How many hours of sleep do you need? Need or get? Both. (laughs) Uh, I only need about four or five, but I get seven or eight. Okay. Ooh, best basketball movie of all time. Best basketball movie of all time. It's Hoosiers will always be my best basketball movie of all time. Finding Forrester a close second, and some people argue it's not a basketball movie, but it well, is. okay, the basketball in it, I didn't appreciate the way it looked, the way they play, but I didn't appreciate above the rim basketball either. But the movie's great, very <laughs> great, very good. Yeah. <laughs> what very, did you like good. about Finding Forrester? Uh, just the, the whole speech when he stood up for him there at the end, you know, and the fact that that Malcolm kept it. Uh, uh, was it Malcolm? Am I saying his name? Maybe that's the character's name. Jamal was the character's name, but I think the act, the actor is Malcolm Brown. But hmm. uh, I like I love that scene when he uh, when he shows up to to support him in the. You're uh, the man scene. now, dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's good. a horrible impression right there. Tried that to... was a little Connery. I heard it I heard a it. little bit. Uh, okay, texting or talking. Hmm. That depends. I'm going to say talking. Depends on who it is, though, sometimes. It does. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, it depends. Favorite holiday? Fourth of July. Man, I'm telling you, Coach, I don't know how many basketball coaches have said that because, like you alluded to earlier, November and December, yeah, we're not getting those. And and in college, you're not getting spring break either if you count that as a holiday. Not if you're any good. (laughs) Not not if you're any good. There was a couple years in college we got spring break. That's not 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 what you want. Not a good thing, yeah. All right. In men's basketball, who's the GOAT? Player? Yes, sir. Oh, Jordan. Okay. In women's basketball, who's the GOAT? All time? Hmm. That's a little tougher. Mm. Kelsey Plum. There no. you go. I, I, I mean, I feel like she, she's the yeah. she, in my book, but yeah. I, I think um, I would probably have to say Lynette Woodard. Kansas, four-time All-American, wow. way ahead of her time. I think her game would translate to um, any, any era. Wow, I think she could play this to this day. Uh, would have to, I'd have to say, I'd have to say Lynette. If you could travel back in time, what period would you visit? Uh, Dallas, nineteen sixty-three, uh, November twenty-second, Dealey Plaza. I want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're getting the full truth. I'm a no, that's the first time I've ever heard that one. That's, that's uh, it. Would either be it would either be there or. As the uh, Japanese were invading Pearl Harbor, I think wow. probably. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not a history buff, but those two moments, yeah. I got it. I really got deep into the JFK thing 
in in high school. I, I would love to be in Dealey Plaza and go stand on the grassy knoll. Yeah. Just and just yeah, just <laughs> and then and then get the transport and come back to yeah. Uh, that, that's I changed the question up. I used to yeah. I used to say you travel back in time. What period you go to? And Coach yeah. Drew, I had I had him on, and he said uh, he said oh, I want to go back to you know the uh, World War Two. I really like it. And then he paused. He's like, well, I don't want to be in it. Yeah, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I thought be around it. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I don't know why my mind went to a specific date, time, and place, but yeah. I, I the speed round, coach. It, it it'll bring the truth out. Yeah. There you go. Two more. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Zero. Never. Ever. 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 That black coffee. Even living in Seattle, I tried it. Don't like it, coach. We're so aligned. Yeah. In good. So many ways, not and my, then you just you just lost the uh, caffeine at all, or you you, no. you just. Coke, I'll okay. drink a Coke. Yeah, I'll drink a Coke or a sweet tea, but no, just never acquired the taste for coffee. I've tried, you know, everybody's like, this is the best. Try this. It's not, not my jam. That when I was a varsity assistant at McKinney High School for a guy named Wes Watson, I used to come back with my Starbucks and I had all the sugar, all the mm. all the stuff that makes it taste good in yeah, it. It was basically not, just a milkshake. And he's say, what it, coffee. He's like, Matt, what is that? And I told him, he's like, listen, if you want to be a head coach, you drink your coffee black. Ah, I promise uh, you, Coach, from that day, okay. that's yeah, it. That's all I've done now. Yeah. yeah, it's not my thing. It's not it. my thing. I'm not – I'll drink a, I'll drink a Coke or a, a sweet tea on you. I'll, I'll need a little caffeine. Not a lot, but a little. Yeah. Last one, Godfather, Go. Star Wars, or neither? Star Wars. The yeah, Force is Star strong. Wars. Yeah, it's – and you know. I, How you doing with the I, newer I, stuff? Again, again, the new Star Wars – the newer thing, yeah. No, I stopped after th- the first three. No, I'm yeah. talking about my Star Wars. That's right. My, my That's what I grew is, up with, too. So, yeah. yeah. My son, though, who's 21, is actually going to Comic-Con in, in Little Rock next week as Boba Fett. So he's got a full-on, full dress. He looks like Boba Fett. Um, and I don't know, you may not know this about me, but I have my top 3,000 movies ranked in order. Uh, one through 3,700 now. Yeah. yeah. Godfather's numbers. Do you Godfather's share that? Number. Yeah, it's on IMDb. You can look it up right now. Top thousand. They only put it. They only let me put a thousand up on IMDb, but they're up on there. You can look it up. Godfather's, I think, eighty four. So Star Wars is a little higher than that. But I'm not. A, I'm not a huge Godfather. Like everybody's Godfather's got to be higher. I'm like, well, it's my list. Yeah. So you know, yeah. what's your list? But I I got bored on some road trips and I got tired of everybody always changing what their favorite movie was. So I, I got to ask you, what's one? Few Good Men has not been challenged. Um, Moneyball is the closest movie to get to oh, it in the last 25 years. Really? Yeah. Just, just because of the, I mean, what, what about that movie? I, I, I believe in it in, in a lot yeah, of ways, but. Aaron Sorkin, you know, Aaron Sorkin the, uh, that did West Wing and uh, Newsroom and Sports Night, all the great shows on uh, wow. on television. Then he, you know, movies wise, he did the American president. He did social network. He did Charlie Wilson's war. He just, uh, I think he's one of the best writers of our time. Uh, and I just thought that the way he brought that to baseball, the way it was acted, I thought it was cast unbelievably well. Yeah. So well-written it's rewatchable. You know, I, I quote the, the scenes with the, uh, the <laughs> scouts all the time. You're not even looking at the problem, you know, when they have that whole discussion in there with all the scouts talking about replacing Giambi, but and he just anyway, points at him. I, uh, 
I do. I do that. He gets on base. <laughs> he that makes is, threes. She makes that's, threes. That's, that's what right. that is to be. You better look at your reporter. Else I'm going to point it feet again. You know, and you know, you're, you're, we're not even looking at the problem here. So a few good men will probably. I just I can't see it. I mean, it would take the test of time. Uh, a movie really, really making because uh, it's so rewatchable. It's an ensemble cast. There's so many great scenes, and it's quotable. Yeah. It's rewatchable. Uh, again, Where's my Back cri- to the Future one on that list? One's pretty high. It's in the it's it's in the top hundred. I would, you know, after top we get 100. outside, at, <laughs> everybody goes. I haven't seen a hundred movies. Yeah, you have. You'll be oh, surprised yeah, how quickly you, you get to. I mean, I'm at thirty. I'm at thirty seven hundred. I think now and still going. Because uh, when I see one, I'll put it in where I think it goes, and I move them around some. Yeah. The top, the top hundred hasn't changed very often, but um, but a few good men will be up there for a, wow. uh, an, until until a long, long time. I think, Coach, this has been incredible. You you just, right. I mean, I, we delivered. I can't, I can't believe I had two hours with you. We delivered. Okay, good, good. I was, you know, you had me worried with that start there about that. I was worried about not being able to deliver. So. <laughs> Uh, hopefully pull it off and we can, we can do it again oh. uh, some other time. But uh, if, again, if it helps, you know, if it helps grow one person, then our time was valuable. Oh, coach to me, so much of it was inspirational and things that, yeah. and things that uh, uh, I need to think about that a lot of coaches will be able to think about, but then you also helped mentally, I think, allow us just to breathe Yeah, and, so. and, and to we relax to and, and, yeah. So thank you so much again for your you got time. It. Not that not that coaches don't know, but if they wanted to if contact you, check yeah. out that list of movies. What's the best way? It's uh, email. Uh, email is you know I'm not going to get right back to you. Yeah. With an email, it's the best way though. I will eventually get to it. Um, I, during COVID, I went back and caught up from some that were two or three years old. I got caught up. Uh, email, you know, I'm going to get back to you. If it's if it's time sensitive, text me at this number right here two zero six. Six one nine four one five seven. If you text me, I'll get back to you within the day. So maybe if I'm sitting there with nothing to do, I might respond at the time. I, I have that. Or if as long as my son's not watching Coco Melon. Um, but um, text is the fastest way. Um, email second, and then you know write me a letter third. Uh, but I'll, I'll get back to you. I've I've yet to. I, I know I've missed a few along the way. People have told me when I say this, I've never purposely not responded to any form of communication. There's some I don't get. Sometimes I don't get emails because they go into a spam filter and I never see them. And sometimes uh, mail doesn't arrive. But I, I think I've responded to every text message I've ever gotten, uh, every phone call. Here's I've ever a gotten. movie. Who, here's a movie on your list that I, I want to. It's not your fault, Coach. It's not your fault. That's the, that's the name of well, no, no, no. What movie? He doesn't say coach. He says, Will. It's not your fault, Will. Oh, oh, that's Robin Williams. Fault. Good that's little a- hunting. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great scene when he's trying to get him to hug him. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. No, yeah. it's a, my other, uh, that, my, the old head coach that told me about the coffee, he'd say, Matt, it's not your fault. Yeah, I know that coach. He'd get it closer is. to me. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> leading. It's good Will hunting. Where, where's it? that on your list? It's high. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, here, let me just look it up. I've got it on my phone. I think it's in the top 20. I want to say Goodwill Hunting is, let's see how fast my internet connection is in here. I'm going to, I usually have a little board. I usually have a, a bar game where people will name it. And then if I can get within five or 10, uh, I win. If it's outside of that, they win. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say it's 25. Awesome. I'm going to say it's 25. Let's see. Still loading. Still. 
Here we go. It's 27. Wow. I'm close. I was wow. close. It's 27. Probably should move up to 26. I need to, I'm going to say 26, right below Tombstone. Oh, yeah. And right, and right ahead of the Guardian uh, with Ashton Kutcher. Ashton and Kevin Kutcher and, and Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Great show. Great. So well done. So yeah. well done. So well done. We talk, we talk about records day all the time. Another oh, record. records day. <laughs> I love that scene. When he oh, reaches down and, Oh yeah, that's good. He's fast. He's, He's fast. fast. <laughs> you you do not you do not deserve to be in the water with him. Uh, calling oh, coach, gold, calling him goldfish and all that stuff. Oh. So well done. Thank you I'm so gonna, much, man, for your yeah, time. Man. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamodi Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.